Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Gains podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, joined in studio by Miss Brittany Brombacher and Alexa Ray Korea. Uh, Being in this chair is really weird. But isn't it comfortable? It is, but it's not my chair. I don't belong here. Well, <laughs> it looks good on you. <laughs> well, and you guys also have matching shirts, which is amazing. This is our holiday design. What's good games holiday? That's again, teespring.com slash what's good games holiday. And of course, we have Miss Christine Steimer. I'm all alone. Oh, no, well, you're we're not. Gonna see, we're going to see you Soon. in a week. Uh, yes. We have our Patreon exclusive streams happening next Monday. It's a different day of the week. Normally, we do those streams on a Thursday, but because of the upcoming holiday and travel, uh, we will be doing them on Monday night. So I know if you're listening to this on Friday, it's not a lot of time to prepare. But of course, we have the happy hour Q&A, which all level of patrons have access to, plus our... After hours, gameplay slash Q and A slash slash that, whatever that's, the heck happens. That's yeah. where it gets sloppy, it ladies gets and real gentlemen. Sloppy. I um, think we should have an extra sloppy stream for an extra sloppy holiday. Well, I have these cute little eggnog <laughs> mugs. Remember, I got them, and then we're gonna wear our PSX sweaters. Mm-hmm. Which, if you follow us on Twitter at What's Good underscore Games, you probably saw a photo of. Or if you follow us on Facebook, um, so. Ladies and gentlemen, a couple of things. First, uh, for people who are watching this on YouTube, youtube.com slash what's good games, you may notice some technical problems for with our video resolution. We tried for almost an hour now to figure out what's happening with our internet connection that's making both Steimer's video and some of my video uh, be very, very pixelated. So apologies. Hopefully, though, you are listening to the beautiful audio and nothing is wrong there. Um, however, um, I just wanted to call it out because I know we're probably going to get some comments of people being like, what is wrong with the video? And I'm like, I'm sorry. We just, the show must go on. We're we on just grid. don't know. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't know. We yeah. Pr- pretty much. So, um, so apologies for that. Hopefully it'll work itself out by the next time we record the show. Also, we had some very interesting news happen this week. We got the notification from Patreon that they have reversed their policy. So we had previously sent out a message to all of our patrons. If you hadn't heard, um, they changed the way that they were doing payments. They were adding a processing fee and a service fee onto each patron's pledge. Of course, without surprise, a lot of creators were very upset that this happened. We, of course, did not know this was happening until it happened. Mm-hmm. Patreon did not communicate this to us in advance. So we, of course, like many other creators out there, were really kind of blindsided by this. And um, a lot of you have spoken out. And it turns out it worked. So Patreon has reversed their decision. And the payment structure will revert to where it was previously. Meaning if you are an after-hours patron of ours at our $10 tier, you're only going to pay $10. You're not going to pay these extra fees. So... 
Um, thank you to Patreon for listening to the community and hearing what we had to say mm-hmm. and, and listening to the feedback. If you do have additional feedback, they are still looking for feedback from both uh, patrons and creators. Um, we will post that link on our website well, where you can go and find it. We'll also just tweet it out. It might be easier. So uh, look for that there if you have more to say, if you have specific feedback you'd like to deliver to Patreon. Um, thank you to everybody who reached out to us. Thank you to everyone who posted on our community page there um, and giving us your honest thoughts. And thank you for all the support yeah. um, for people coming forward and saying you're going to be there for us no matter what. We really can't thank you enough for that. And um, we don't want to really dwell on that, but I just wanted to make sure to touch on that um, before we get started. Um, Britt, I don't have the show notes open yet either. Did I miss anything in, in our opening, um, salvo here? I just want to know when you're going to read these pages about your seal husbando. Okay. Yeah, can we do that now? Can listen, we do that now? I don't know. I have to be, I'm not mentally ready for that. I need at least another glass of wine first. <laughs> I haven't finished drinking it yet. So let's at least wait until second, potentially third segment. And then, ladies and gentlemen, I brought, she did bring I brought these. the book. Yes. I'm very excited. I have I have all three books. I'm holding them up. Do they have I a made picture of the post-it seal? Notes. I can't wait. Um, no, because he's he's a he's not the main character. The the lead character is is Yana Bob Maddox. So oh, she's okay. a, a she's a former military. I'll read. I'll tell you all about it. Okay. 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 So okay. I brought the books. Um, again, it's the Powers That Be trilogy from Anne McCaffrey. Oh my god! Is that the seal on the cover? And Elizabeth Ann Scarborough. Wait, there's a seal on the cover because I looked for this seal. Wait, no. Is he on the cover? No, no. These are these are like horses, unicorn. unicorns. How did you confuse a unicorn with a seal? That's what I want to know. Okay, I'll I'll explain it all. Okay, hold on. Unicorns are dumb. Just sit tight. Okay. Um. So (laughs) unicorns are not dumb. They're dumb. Um. Okay. Oh, you got it. Great. Um. Where is this? Where's this? The document is hidden forever. Alexa Ray was like, "Come on, come on, come on." Oh, that's why, because it's. Oh, no, that's the right date. Shout oh my God. out. Is it December 13th? Yep. Yeah. Shout out to Alexa for putting the show notes together. You're the best. We love you. Oh, I, you know, don't, hey, don't do anything. Um, <laughs> okay. So I think we covered, I think we covered most of the plugs. Um, just as a reminder, we do still have that holiday merch that those two lovely ladies are wearing. I don't you know, should really. get it. Um, I do want to make a disclaimer that that specific style, we are going to do one single campaign for because we got requests for it. We did. Um, so this is a ladies long sleeve slouchy tee um, that they are wearing and it is not available <laughs> in men's sizes in this style. If y'all, if you girls got biceps, just FYI, it's a little tight up here. Yes. Uh, so because go, it's got a drop seam on the sleeve. So the yeah. seam is not at the shoulder like a traditional t-shirt like I'm wearing. It's a little bit down the sleeve. I it wore mine really yesterday weird. and it was super comfy. Just yeah, saying. it's ex- yeah. yeah, extremely comfortable. It's a good shirt to wear to dinner when you want to eat a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very flowy. <laughs> I'm wearing, uh, for reference, I'm wearing a medium. Brittany's wearing a I mean, small. I think this is a medium. Medium. Yeah. I wear a small. It, uh, it fits my boobs is what I was getting at. So I also so got a medium. Ladies. Um, okay, I think we are ready to get started. Video game news. Um, <laughs> the first story is Harry Potter has announced they are making a mobile RPG that is going to debut sometime in 2018. So Harry Potter? So over at Polygon, they are reporting that this is going to be produced by Jam City, the people behind the Marvel Avengers Academy, Futurama, and the Family Guy mobile game. So they clearly have a pedigree there. And it's called Harry Potter Hogwarts Mysteries. You guys maybe remembered uh, a few weeks back we reported on 
um, Warner Brothers was going to be starting this new division with Pottermore about um, making games specifically in the Harry Potter universe. This is just one of those games. And to be clear, this is not the Niantic game no. that's going to be augmented reality based different game harry potter go yes so um this game follows a storyline which players will customize a wizard who will attend class run into familiar professors and experience all that hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry has to offer the press release suggests that a majority of the academics fans remember from the series will appear in the game and that it will hew closely to the established lore hogwarts mystery will be the only harry potter video game with a heavy role-playing focus in which players control someone other than than an established hero. This is the second project announced by this new distribution label. That's what it is. Port Key Games is the name of the company. Um, and it's going to be uh, creating other video games, as we mentioned, in the Harry Potter universe. So, Can I tell you yes, how excited I was when I first read, like, I quickly read it. I was like, Harry Potter, and my mind skipped right over the word mobile. And it was like, RPG, and I was like, oh! <gasps> Oh my god, oh my god, it's happening. And then I was like starting to I like briefly skimmed the description. I was like, this is amazing. And then I was I looked back up at it and it said mobile and I went, Oh. Yeah, this yeah. this broke pretty early in the morning because I was on the way I think it broke early. I was on the way to the airport, and unless it was Twitter's stupid algorithm that shows you really old posts first. That happens. Yeah, it happens. Um and I think it was GameSpot. The title was A Harry Potter RPG has been announced. Oh my god, <gasps> I was so mad at GameSpot because that's the one I saw. They got my click, and then it was like a mobile title. And granted, it's still an RPG, but But it's a mobile title. And let me tell you about mobile RPGs. Tell me all about it, Alexa Ray. They're mobile games. <laughs> They are. <laughs> they are. Water is they, wet. The sky is blue, and mobile well, games are mobile games. Think about. <laughs> think about all of the mobile like RPGs you've played. Have you have you played any of the Final Fantasy ports? Like the old ass like Final Fantasy VI port. Only where you a just, little like, bit. And stuff. Yeah. It's like I will get excited about this when they make a Harry Potter RPG. That's like. It's like The Witcher and for and is for console and Switch and whatever. Yeah, I was yeah. saying, Alexa, I don't mobile. think you were here. I was saying I wanted a Harry Potter like bully style game. Yes, that would be amazing. Yes, yeah. but instead of we're getting a mobile game and mobile games like like you can expect it to be. I mean, it's not going to have like incredible graphics. And the thing that I want when I think of oh, a Harry Potter game is like all that magic and all that like kooky weird stuff. Like I want to see like creepy ass death eaters and i want to see like pat- like uh, patronuses appear in front of me like that, that a what patronus a patronus Sorry. the patronus expecto patronum oh brit no oh, wait a minute wait a minute Please, Hold on. i've only seen the films once each so i sorry i didn't mean they like inter- no so the the patron let me let me get this no, right. Is it, is I don't it a creature? Yeah, it's fine. It's a spell. It's, it's oh. a spell. It's, it's a like spell a that summons a spirit that guardian. That takes shape in the form of an animal. Yes. Like a seal. Like a seal. Like okay, a seal. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And as a white stallion, I took the Pottermore the, test. The Patronus charm Before introduced he... in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is a defensive spell which produces a silver animal guardian used to protect a witch or wizard against dementors. Got yes. it. So it's like a it's like a ghost that you conjure, but it's not a ghost. It's just a spirit. Okay. Um, like Thanks. that that universe lends itself so well to imagery and physical things and and and, and interactivity. Let's just like look at the way in the Harry Potter uh, theme parks, the way that the wands interact mm-hmm. with everything. That's so freaking cool. 
But you know the mobile game. You know it's going to be like the imagery is not going to be as like beautiful. Sure. It's going to be watered down. The RPG is probably going to be some like... I mean, this is from the studio that made Marvel Avengers Academy. That is the game where um, all of the Marvel heroes are high school students and they're like flirting with each other and like, oh my God, blah. And then I took a look, I, I took the liberty today of taking a look at the Futurama and the, and the Family Guy games. And like, they're all pretty like low, like, like not low brow, but they're very like juvenile. They're very easy to digest. And the people that love Harry Potter love it for its complexity. And I just feel like mobile is the wrong way to go. So why mobile? Because money. Well, money probably is a factor. Um, but I think the reason why they probably went mobile is because it's a much shorter development cycle than a like a full, fully fleshed out RPG that we would see on PC or console. That would take three to five years minimum, right? So like a mobile title like this, they can probably you know pump out relatively quickly, maybe like less than a year. Um, so maybe this is just the, the beginning, right? We haven't seen any titles from this new studio yet. No. Um, and this developer has extensive experience making mobile games. And I don't think it's going to necessarily be a bad game. I think that people are just kind of like champing at the bit for <laughs> something a little bit more substantial. A which, meteor. Which um, hopefully, you know, we will get down the line. I'll write it. Fucking hire me. I have so much fan fiction from Harry Potter, like waiting on my. Wait, what? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I wrote fan fiction for Harry Potter. I wrote fan fiction for Lord of the Rings. I wrote fan fiction for like this anime called Yu Yu Hakusho, and I wrote oh, yeah. Dragon Ball Z fan fiction. I love fan. I fiction. have piles and piles of fan fiction. You should compare a fan fiction someday. I'm really embarrassed about mine though. We can do a live. Oh my god! I want to have night. a fanfic reading party with you. My, I'm not embarrassed at all. I, I don't have any, but I'll write to go off the rails. No, you go first. <laughs> my fan fiction is a Final Fantasy IX Dragon Ball Z mashup oh, Jesus. where both si- both franchises are in a gang in South Central Los Angeles. What? That's very specific. Oh, yeah. No, I was a strange teenager. That I, sounds amazing. <laughs> I never wrote Final Fantasy fan fiction because I my like... Josh is hanging <laughs> open. I'm like, no, it's, what? It's, it's terrible. Oh, no, no, no. This stemmed from my huge crush on Trunks and Zidane. I mean, everyone wanted to bang Trunks. Yeah, anyway. We already established that. I was a weird child. Um, I wrote <laughs> my... Oh, I don't even know who Trunks is. I wrote... The purple-haired <laughs> wonder? Oh! <laughs> All right, Andrea. Here we go. We're going to watch me watch puppets. We're going to make you watch DBZ. We're going to make you watch Puppets again. I I do want to see the puppet show. We can watch it tonight while we eat pizza. We can watch one oh, episode. Yes. Okay, Aww. we'll do it. Um, okay, we'll wait for you. We'll wait. We'll, we'll, actually, we'll watch it. We'll do both times. How about both? We do okay, we can together. wait. We'll wait for you. Wait, uh, but like... Uh, we can do a watch along. I, I don't... He looks like a purple-haired Nick Carter, ladies and gentlemen. What is this? What is this seatbelt belt thing he's wearing? Don't you don't understand the DB universe, Andrea? Renee. I don't. Oh my I god! Really don't. Let's don't, not you guys. Start. Let's not start. Yeah, yeah. you'd hit that. Okay, uh, sorry. Yeah. We can move on. Um, okay, so there is more stories to talk about. Uh, Nintendo Switch has sold 10 million units to date. Boasting that its Switch hybrid console has sold 10 million units, Nintendo announced Black Friday promotions may have helped. Uh, the Switch carries a list price, of course, of 300 smackaroos. And so that sale translates into more than $3 billion in revenue related to the product worldwide. Now, we don't know if that is 100% accurate because of the price points are slightly different in different territories around the world. So, but 
it's a good estimation that they've made a crap ton of money off of the Nintendo Switch so far. <laughs> yes, it's a very, so, very good number. <laughs> so, um, just as for some reference, the Wii, the Nintendo Wii launched in 2006, sold more than 100 million units. I forgot about one the of the, Wii. is one of the top selling consoles of all time. Oh my god. I forgot about the Wii. You can't um, forget about the Wii. The Wii was the, like, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. Go ahead. Finish. Oh no, I was like the Wii, like there was a reason that was like labeled the revolution in my mind. Like I'll never Wii. forget the Wii. Like I was still in high school when that thing was being teased. I was a TA, a TA, that's what they were called for history class. And I would spend- a teacher's assistant? Yes. And I would spend all of the period researching the latest Nintendo revolution news. So when that thing came out, I was in line for like seven hours. So it offends me deeply that you forgot about the Wii, Alexa Ray. I, I have a short, I have whatever. So okay. much time playing Wii Golf. Love, oh, yeah. love, love me some Wii Golf. I kind of um, want so, someone to make a parody rap of Forgot About Dre, but it's Forgot About Forgot Wii. Forgot About Wii. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I did, I Internet, did like you have your assignment. Get back to us when you're ready. I did like the, like the, the main screen music that sounded like lounge music or elevator music or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just listen to it. Soothing. Should we find it? Let's pull it up. How did I forget internet. about the Wii, but I literally listen to the menu music like every other day. <laughs> you just like have it in your now. like the Wii your phone or something? In my YouTube you. rotation of weird songs I listen to. That's amazing. Um, so uh, Reggie fils said that it's possible that the Switch Reggie. will top the first year sales of the Wii if momentum remains strong throughout the holiday shopping season. Three titles have been purchased by more than 50% of Switch owners, which if you work in video game um, development or sales, you know that that is an incredibly high attach rate. Um, but this is no surprise. It's The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which won Game of the Year um, at the Game Awards, uh, which we'll be talking about our picks later. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, of course, not another surprise. And then Super Mario Odyssey. So another title, though, that was a little shocking to me, third-person shooter Splatoon 2 purchased just by one in four Switch owners, he said. So, I mean, the idea that 2.5 million copies of Splatoon 2 were sold was actually, to me, really impressive. Yeah. Not that the game wasn't good, because it is. It was an excellent game, but just because it's a, a little bit more niche and has no their chat. tentpole titles. Yeah. Well, I mean, their online connectivity is something to be desired. Is this it? Yeah. Yes, that's so definitely chill. it. Remember your little wee, your little oh, wee they, running they little around? Walk, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's so running around good. up there. It takes me back, man. I miss my knee. Um, so coming in the 2018 lineup for Switch, Lost Fear, Wolfenstein 2, Mega Man 11, and in development, a new Kirby, supposedly, Yoshi, Fire Emblem, the Pokemon RPG, oh. Metroid Prime 4, and the newly announced Bayonetta 3. Bayo! Uh. So uh, quite a few games coming down the pipeline. Um, we talked about it earlier this week when um, I was on uh, Games Daily with Victor Lucas um, from Electric Playground talking about the idea of what is it going to take for Nintendo to sustain the sales that they've had so far? I mean, because a breakout year, absolutely, 10 million in year one is certainly to be commended. Nintendo's been kicking ass, but I'm convinced, and maybe one of you will convince me otherwise, that it's going to it's going to fall that this was the high year they released a Zelda and a Mario tentpole titles in the launch year. And I don't think that they're going to maintain this level of sales. I think it's going to slowly start to like drop off. I mean, you think about why people buy a switch, right? It's like you buy for the first party games, 
third party games, sure, but only if you really want the ability to play them mobile. For example, yeah. like Wolfenstein 2 is coming. That's fantastic. You said another game that has already been released. Um, but it's like, I've already played those. So unless people solely want to buy the Switch for like the portability of it, I can't see them sustaining these numbers. Now, as soon as they like announce like a Pokemon RPG and that Kirby game and the Yoshi game, something, it'll spike again. Yeah, it'll spike again. But yeah, I, I can't see them like maintaining. Yeah, the, for me, like when I look at this list, the only thing on here that it, to me is a major system seller is the Pokemon RPG. Like to me, that would be the only thing in development here that's really going to drive sales units of consoles in a very at meaningful this rate, way. At this rate, right? Or if they finally announce, which we know is coming, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, that's, that's going to be but another you, spike. But do you think? I think yes, I think oh, that will yeah. be a system seller. No, I think seller. we're going to not get an, an original Smash. I think we're going to get Deluxe Super Smash Deluxe. I'll be mad. And then maybe at the very end of the life cycle, we might get a new Smash. I don't want no more Deluxe shit. Just give me new things. But look at how well Mario Kart did. <gasps> I'm sick of Mario Kart. I know, but apparently 50% of people who have a Switch, that's like 5 million copies of Mario Kart 8 were sold. Well, those people didn't probably didn't buy Wii's. I feel like, or the Wii, sorry, the Wii U. I feel like people didn't. Nobody bought the Wii U. I feel like nobody <laughs> bought the Wii U because they didn't understand it. It's true. And now they're like, oh shit, I can get that Mario Kart I missed out on. Like it's, I don't think it's, they want it, they loved it so much they wanted to play it again. I think it's new casual consumers. Well, but like, wouldn't you say Smash is in the same category? As Mario Kart? Wait, so you, so you just think I'm wrong. You no, don't no, no, think no. they're going to do a Smash Deluxe? I mean, if they do, I mean, I don't know, but if they do, I'll be mad. It would I be really stupid. hope they do. I really hope it's a new one. I feel like it has to be because that those games are like super sellers. Everyone loves them. And championships. Yeah, they're really popular. They're in, yeah, they're in championships. I'm not saying it's not. Franchises. I'm just saying those games take a long time to make because I know. the balance takes a long time to get right. And even then when but it's if, launched, the balance still isn't. <laughs> but if they don't do it, I will be shocked and angry. Okay. I well, want a new freaking Smash Speaking of the the Wii U, I think as of March, the total number of Wii U units was like 13.7 million. So it's oh, God, pretty really? funny. It's going to get Yeah, lapped. that they've almost already caught up to that after what, like nine months, 10 months of being on, which is great. I still yeah. think, I, I well, think that the ahead, Switch Timer. still has a lot of like juice left in it. Like I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to, I think it'll have another strong year next year. Um, mostly because I think they had so many supply issues this year. Like you have a lot of people out there that probably like might still want one or might be having trouble finding one. I mean, maybe they fixed it for holiday. I haven't really gone out and looked now that I have my own. Um, but I just can't, I don't know. I feel like people still have a, still have a hangering in their loins. Oh yeah, no. Like, in, in for the record, hangering. I don't in know. I, just, I made up a in word. I don't loins, know. That's, that's a real word. <laughs> I'm not saying Loin that the hangering. switch is going to like have like like drop off a cliff in, as far as like sales numbers go. Just dip. I just don't think they're going to have. They're going to be able to sustain. Like I, in my mind, and and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe next year at this time in December 2018, when we're all sitting around in our new design for holiday in your t-shirts. I'll be like, guys, I got to eat some crow right now because OMG, who knew that Switch was going to sell 30 million units this year? Oh God, I'll that, eat it that with that you. Would be weird. you know? I agree with you. I mean, Switch is also fantastic for indie games, right? As well. Like, yeah. It could be known as like that indie machine. I mean, many publishers, I mean, developers have pledged support, support games over to, to the uh, like Capcom being the most recent one. They've said, we're going to bring titles to Nintendo that have never been on Nintendo before. 
And that could help as well. I agree. I think this thing is going to continue to sell well, but not at this like explosive rate. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to outsell or like even come close to the Wii. Like nothing. Yeah. The Wii was a weird anomaly. Um, motion controls were cool. Yeah. No, they well, I mean, I think it's interesting that we're seeing, and I, this is what I'm happy about with the Switch is that the attach rate for third party seems to be much higher. Um, whereas with the Wii, like anytime I think a third party game came out on it, it was like, no one bought it because the people who were buying the Wii weren't, they were like satisfied with their Wii sports, right? For the most right, part. Right. Yeah, and they didn't want Mass occasional. Effect. No, that was Wii U. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oops. So, so I do think that's interesting that you're talking about it as being like an indie machine because I'm just pleased that now Nintendo's at a space where third parties can perform on their platform. Yeah. Go Nintendo, rah, rah, fingers crossed, do well. We love you. Don't fuck this up. But Don't also give me some cute up. Joy-Con. More, I want more cute Joy-Cons. In the- right? I <laughs> love my yellow ones. Um, okay, next up. The Game Awards happened on Thursday night last week. And guess what, guys? They tripled their numbers. Jeff Keighley announced Ooh. 11.5 million viewers around the world showed up for the 2017 The Game Awards. And that is, or excuse me, he said it's up 202%, Jesus. which I guess is technically a little less than uh, three times. Um, so obviously, as I mentioned, organized by Jeff Keighley, he ran the previous version of the event, which Go was Jeff. on Spike for the Spike Video Game Awards. Um, he, Keely invested one million dollars of his own money. Jeff Keely had a million dollars <laughs> to <Surprise>. invest. <laughs> Yo, um, successful. Yeah, I'll explain to you why he has that much money later, Simon. Okay. Um, the, uh, Keely invested one million of his own money to launch the first ever game awards back in 2014, which can I just say, I know we talked last week about, you know, how grateful I am to be involved in the show and how great of a job he does, but like, when he decided to invest his own personal wealth, his own personal money in the Game Awards, it was a gigantic risk. Like, it was a super risky investment um, for him to be like, I'm just going to go out on a limb because I love games. And, you know, like I mentioned last week, people, like, love to troll him and love to meme on him or whatever. But he's been a video game fan since he was a young kid, and he's been involved in the industry for a really, really long time. So um I'm really happy to see he's been really successful and i thought the game awards um did really well i thought like he put together a great show maybe a little long a little long maybe just a little little long um which is a problem in video games as well i think he was just (laughs) reflecting the status of the industry good job samer (laughs) (laughs) um but one of the new elements of the show which did particularly well was the interactivity on twitch so you could co-stream the awards this year plus there were special extensions um for predicting winners and things like that um and apparently more than 70 percent of viewers used those extensions to interact with the game awards which is a pretty cool thing so, um, super congrats to, um, to him and everything went down. We, did of they course, say at all, listen- like, how this happened? Like, how did you, like, where did you broadcast on more places? Was there better PR? Like, do they have any idea or were they just like, oh, well, we I magically grew our viewership, but 
well, fun. I think it's a combination. They certainly were broadcasting in more places this year than they ever have before. Um, partnering with Tencent to um, stream the awards in China, I'm sure had a huge impact for, for Chinese audiences tuning in. Obviously, the show was broadcast in English, but uh, I think that they had a Chinese um, captions um, for the awards. Plus, you know, they're... There was a lot of people, I think, really invested in the awards this year because he had a really great lineup of presenters. He teased a lot of world premieres and gameplay demos more than he's ever gotten before, which I think people were super mm-hmm. excited about. Anytime he did polls about like what are people excited about, everyone's like, world premieres, world premieres. Um, and so that's an interesting challenge when you compare the Game Awards to a lot of other uh, award shows out there, shows like the Country Music Awards or the Grammys or the Oscars, right? SAG Awards. These kinds of award shows don't make a, a a big show of debuting brand new trailers, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like a tra- like a new Avengers trailer isn't debuting at the Oscars, right? Right. Um, so I think that that's an interesting part about the Game Awards and like these gameplay demos and interviews and things are a big draw uh, for people to come and watch the awards, not just to see who won the categories, but to see the presenters, to see the orchestra performing, and to see all the obviously the cool. The cool video games. Not to mention, it was a really competitive year. So I bet a lot of people were interested, yeah, like, geez. who the hell's going to win Game of the Year? I mean, well, we know Alexa was, was watching cool. to see if she had to backflip off the earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, do you, guys have, do you guys have the... I do. Do you guys have the soundbite? You're going to play the audio. So this... So some... I'm going to... I'll tee this up. So I got to sit next to Brittany during the Game Awards. And we were sitting there. And during the Game of the Year um, announcement, Jeff is talking. Jeff is talking. I'm sitting in my seat. I'm, like, clutching my heart. I look, I, I was, I was incredibly worried. I was visibly perturbed. And then Jeff announced the award. And then I reacted. Not today, Satan. <laughs> As he announces the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Okay, one more time, because it's really funny. Not today, Satan. <laughs> Just the, way, like, so the, the happy. fervor in your voice is so, so good. I was so happy. Oh, I yeah. was clenched so hard. Brittany and I, I like my heart was pounding. Brittany and I were holding hands. We were mm-hmm. like, we feel sick. Yeah. Like if this happens, I have oh, to leave the planet. So- <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I got to stay on the planet, which was really nice. A lot of people are happy about that. I'm very happy that I didn't have to, um, didn't have to backflip off into space. Yeah. One guy can't execute a backflip to save my life. <laughs> and two, I can't breathe in space. So. Um, so last week, if you guys watched the show or listened to the show, you know that we did a play along. Is this it? With scorecards. And hopefully you've tallied up your scores and you played by the honor system and didn't cheat. So we tallied up our scores and I have to say, I'm pretty disappointed in my performance. Ah, (laughs) Yeah, you coming in in last place with eight points, me, Andrea, Renee. Uh, Coming in third place with ten points, Alexa Ray. Coming in second place with eleven points, Brit, and taking home the prize for the most amount of correct guesses. Miss Steimer. Well, I think you lost because Horizon won nothing. It's true. Yes. I, (laughs) you know, like I picked Horizon when we all picked Horizon for a couple things, but I picked Horizon in particular. Um, and I, I honestly thought that it would get more and it was pretty heartbreaking for me. 
Um, not only like knowing some people on that team and knowing how hard they worked and just how beautiful of a game that is, mm-hmm. but it just, I stand by people out there are going to call me a Zelda hater. That's fine. I stand by that. Like nostalgia one, at the Game Awards. And not to say that Zelda wasn't a fantastic game. Was it a beautiful, well-built, well-polished, great game to play? Of course it was. I just don't think it was the best. And that's my personal opinion. And we're going to debate that out in our Game of the Year conversation, which will happen on the final podcast before New Year's. Um, so keep a look out for that. So we're not going to de- delve too much into that right now. However, um, I did have a little moment with Ashley Birch when she was here. So if you missed our stream, we got to stream with Chris Floyd from Deck Nine Games and Ashley Birch about Life is Strange Before the Storm. You can catch that archive on Twitch and we will, it will also be on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash what's good games. Um, and we were both like, oh, we're both losers. <laughs> we are not stop losers. It. We had a good laugh about it. We had a good laugh about it. Okay. Missy, Missy, Miss, Miss <laughs> over there. Yes. <laughs> You are amazing. None of us would be sitting here if you didn't be like, hey, let's do a thing. You do so much. And not only have you broken barriers for us, but you've broken barriers for people, for women out there who thought, I want to do this. And I've been like, oh, I can't because it's a boys club. Clearly not. You are the probably the only, probably have made the most, I don't want to say, I don't want to use a glass ceiling metaphor, but there's you you are definitely the person who has made the most progress and like cracking it down in terms of like visibility and criticism you know all your shit you are smarter than all like i love i love steven but you are the most intelligent of all those people in those nominees and i have never ever met anyone who works so hard as you do so freaking hard. i used to think i worked hard and then i started hanging around andrea <laughs> renee ladies and gentlemen and i have to tell you like this week, I've been home for maybe a day, and if I hadn't started the What's Good Games podcast and, like, met you and observed how hard you work, I would be dying right now. But I'm like, if Andrea can fucking do it, I can do it. The hustle, the drive, oh, yeah. you take care of us and yourself and, like, your home selfless. and your career. You're selfless. You are dedicated. You and guys. everyone, if you looked at Twitter, in the in the, in the the minutes after that award announcement, I'm blo- I mean, all the disrespect, sorry, in the moment, <laughs> the moment moments after that after that announcement and you guys can all can all hate me if you if you're think i'm totally being a bitch right now that's fine but everyone in our industry i was seeing so uh i was seeing tweets from our friends at ubisoft pr people developers other media people that were just like that's great but like andrew and steven andrew and steven like like clearly this is a fan vote but your industry recognizes your contribution and recognizes your hustle and recognizes your work and i don't give a fuck about their training game award but this was your year trend year forever my I fucking, I would throw this mic on the floor like, if you did not pay also, a lot of money for it. <laughs> no, it was, it was Alexa, really, oh, like, okay. um, it wasn't just like Twitter. Like when we were sitting in the, in the theater. Oh, yeah. Yes. And we we're all holding hands. And then they said like his name. And then and literally there was like a, like a wave of, oh, uh, I heard it. It was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I don't know if you, if you know this, Andrea, but when they were about to announce the winner, Alexa, Simon, and I were all clutched we were together holding together hands. Everywhere. We were going to fucking rush that stage. We were going to run so down the aisle and scream. You and might be, like, be happy that, you know, because I mean, we would have embarrassed we you. Would've but embarrassed 100% we would have embarrassed 100%. I believe it all upon the family name. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, you would have been so mad at us later. You probably would have been mad at us. And this group may have disbanded. But no, no like, with all on. of my heart, like, truly, this is your year, like, Alexa said, and you are more than deserving of that award. And I think people know that. I hope you share. I I had the amazing privilege of getting to hear what 
the what would have been the acceptance speech. So, and I hope one day you share it because it was very powerful can, and beautiful. I can share some of it now. Yes, um, please. So, I of course like was really nervous about the whole thing. Um and you know like a huge thank you to everybody who reached out uh, said that they voted and showed me photos of their votes and and a thank you to the kind of funny best friends and the entire kind of funny team for stumping for me every single day on both the morning show and games daily and for for you guys for voting and just like the amount of support I felt from not only everyone on what's good, but everybody like that I've met in the, in the business has been really overwhelming and very, very, very humbling. And so for everybody who reached out and sent me a private message, you know who you are. Like, thank you. Thank you so much. And so like, I didn't, I didn't want to go up there and not have something ready and just like blabber about anything, especially knowing how amazing, um, Greg's speech was when he won. I was like, well, now I'm going up against this. And like, and Boogie had a great speech too, uh, when he won as well. But, um, the thing that I really wanted to thank, and this is true regardless of if I won an award or not, like it's, it's that I wanted to thank the developers out there that are making powerful female characters and expanding what it means to be a hero because that's important to us and it's important to a lot of female gamers out there and we had so many great female characters this year characters like chloe and nadine like senua like ikora aiden aya Ryder, aloy i mean that all remind us that girls are badasses too and that's important and many gamers including all of the women in this room and steimer have heard one dumb question consistently repeated yeah. because of who we are. And that question is, do you actually play games? Like every woman I've ever met who plays video games has heard this question yep. in her lifetime. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> and, we would all be so rich. And <laughs> it's, even if it's unintentional, if you've asked that to somebody and you're like, shit, I've, I've actually asked somebody that unintentionally asking that question can make other gamers feel invisible, but we're not invisible. We're here. We're talking about games. And for every girl who's gaming out there, we see you for every person of color, for the queer, the disabled, the different out there that are finding the fun in video games and finding their community. We see you. We're all part of this together and we're not invisible. We're here. And that's what uh, I, that's just what I wanted to say. Jesus Christ. Gonna that's a great cry. I know we're speech. all fucking tearing up uh, over here. That's um, so beautiful. Oh God, and that's sorry. a message that needs to be thrown out there. I mean, I know Alexa said all the respects to Dr. Disrespect, but I No, heard, I said no. Di- I said, oh, sorry, I mean, she said all no the disrespect. She, no, she, she said no respects. Yeah. Yeah, no respects. <laughs> um, because <laughs> I know people have said that he has done some great things for a specific He has. Yeah. But, like, this message needs to be seen by, like, 11 million people, whoever many people watch those effing game awards. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop, but damn, girl. Well, You're I want to, I want to thank you guys for, for being there for me and for doing the show. And I don't want, you know, to drag on our mopey, like, I love you session no, too no, much. Dragging but, it. No, we deserve this. But you deserve this. I'm sorry it, it if great. I put you on the spot, but like, you lift up everyone that you <sighs> encounter and everyone you work with. And I want that to be and recognized. And inspire people to do better. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, shit. Harabba, rabber. Okay, okay we're, we got, we got it. We're having a moment. We're having a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hug okay. all of you, and I'm very You're sad that I'm so far we'll, away. We'll hug, it, we'll hug it out next week's time, okay. or we will. Um, <gasps> so uh, now that we've 
gotten that out of the way. Um, one last thank you to everybody who did tune in. If by some reason you missed my Facebook awards, um, my winner circle interviews, which I'm not surprised if you did. There's several people who've come up to me and been like, where can I watch those? Um, you can go to the game awards on Facebook, their Facebook page and go to their video library and you'll be able to watch. Um, I got to interview Guillermo del Toro. I interviewed I Justine and Lance Ruddick together. I got to talk to Felicia Day and Carol Shaw. Um, I spoke to Melina Jurgens after she won her award. I spoke to the entire team at Studio MDHR, um, who are just the sweetest people who I didn't realize were all related, uh, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, and so they were great. And so if you guys want to check out any of those interviews, um, please go and check them out. One interview that you will never see <laughs> is... The interview of Mr. Joseph Fares. Oof, oof, oof. So, um, you, if you watched the awards, you saw that, um, he is the developer making a game called A Way Out. He's being, uh, he's publishing his game with Electronic Arts. Um, he had a moment on stage that I would call an embarrassing moment that some people called a funny, hysterical, a refreshing moment. It was funny. Um, certainly. Right. And that a lot of people were like, oh, he's off the rails. This is great. I love it. This is great content. It's a best moment. Um, and I just want to um, say here, and I've been struggling with like wh- how to talk about this and if I should talk about this and what to say, but he came to my set and it wasn't funny. It was disrespectful and it was unprofessional. And it's really unfortunate because we had a really great interview with him on our Raise Your Game Facebook stage at E3. Yeah. When we were hosting there, uh, talking to him about his passion for this game and his team and how unique this concept is for a way out. And I was really looking forward to talking to him and he just seemed like a different person that night. And he admitted that in his interviews that he did with Polygon and some other people after the fact, but the way that he was speaking to some people backstage and the way that he treated our interview was just the one word that I keep coming back to is unprofessional. Um, and it was really disappointing and it was, the interview was so off the rails that we actually decided to not air the interview. We actually decided to pull the interview down. So you won't be able to see that interview. Um, which is probably for the best because it's really there's no there's no usable information in it. It's really just a lot of a lot of rambling, um, and that was disappointing. Um, and I'm still like as somebody who does this professionally, like trying to figure out how I feel about it. And the way that he spoke to some people backstage was very, um, to me, disrespectful. And you know, like afterwards when everybody was like, "Oh, like he's so funny, haha," and I'm like, "No, actually, he was." kind of he was kind of mean she's that's awful uh and that sucks because i don't want to bring down people's like good moment but at the same time i'm like i don't want him to be celebrated for that i i hope that he looks at it and goes i fucked that up Uh i hope he looks back and goes like that was not the right call i did not do the right thing there's a way to make a statement about the oscars if you want to because he's a former director Mm -hmm. um about other award shows without you know you know behaving the way that he behaved and this idea that he said in his interview afterwards saying like i you know things just come out of my mouth i just can't control it i'm like no but you're you're an adult you're a human we this is why we have you know more powerful brains than any other species on the planet is that we can we can control these things and i was really confused as to what was happening and what he was talking about and it was it was disappointing you know like 
I'm not going to lie. That is going to color my opinion of his game and any subsequent coverage that we at What's Good Games do of A Way Out. And I'm going to try to, you know, set it aside for the sake of, you know, the professionalism of us looking at the game objectively. But I want everybody listening and our fans to know that I'm probably going to have an inherent bias negatively against that project because of what happened during my interview with him at the Game Awards. So that's totally understandable. Um, it was, it was unfortunate, but you know, like I wanted to say something about it so that you guys know, um, I'm not sure somebody, somebody asked me, um, that I told this story to that, that evening when it was still really fresh. And I was like, I was like, wow, this, like this thing happened and it was really, really terrible. And they were like, Oh, they were like, Oh shit. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, do you think, do you think we could ever get that that video? And no. I, was, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's like gone, gone I'm forever. I'm pretty sure it's like deleted. Hard into delete. The they set yeah. the, they set the tape on fire. <laughs> but not that I would ever want to watch it again. It's probably just a hot mess. I mean, if you really want to just see the mess that happened, just watch it. Just watch, yeah. Jeff. Just watch him and poor Jeff. I was like, yeah. I felt really bad for Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, watching it back as somebody who also had to wrangle that in a live interview, it's really difficult because you want to, you want to make sure that they're presenting their game and themselves in the best light and trying to be positive. Like this show, we, that we do, what's good is all about, you know, positivity and loving games and being passionate. Right. Except for that, except for that one. Um, (laughs) I feel bad for Jeff because Jeff, like, Jeff is a pro, like, media person and did, like, his, like, did his very best to be like, it's coming out soon, right? Or like, yeah, there's a free trial. Like, he tried numerous times to be like, here are the talking points. Let's get you back on track. And Joseph just kind of, like, blew past him. And I felt so bad for Jeff. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't control your subject. You can only, like, try and keep them on task. Yeah. I mean, I mean, admittedly for me, like I thought it was kind of funny and refreshing because what I like, I mean, before I knew about all this, um, what I like about the video game industry is I feel like we can be professional. We can take ourselves seriously, but I like that we don't take ourselves too seriously. I feel like we're a bunch of friends in like this circle that gets to have fun and just kind of like be relaxed about it. Um, but as it went on and I, I tweeted that as well, I think I said it was like refreshing, but as it went on, I was like, you know, this is a little, uh, this is getting a little much, but I was like, probably not the worst thing that's ever happened but then when i heard that even andrea who's been doing this professionally for what like 10 years now um had trouble wrangling it i'm like oh like that that you don't have to go into civics but that says a lot if like you're like what the hell do i do with this guy yeah so it was unfortunate yeah um but yeah, I look forward to the Game Awards 2018 and to seeing what Jeff does next with it and to see like if he keeps the orchestra, if he does something different. Um, Keep I would the like orchestra. to see more. It's like my favorite part. Yeah. It was, really, it was really cool. Do more orchestra. Yes. I would like to see more focus on the awards and less of these interview segments about game demos. Um, but I mean, that's just me. One last point. I was really oh, yeah. disappointed that they just skimmed over best RPG. That was, that was best mobile game monument, also fucking Fire Emblem Heroes, whatever. But like, he lit, he literally listed off like four awards and we were like, yeah, I mean, but of all the ones to, I mean, I'm biased, but I love RPGs. And as like, that's the, the genre that you spend hundreds of hours with each game. That might be a little bit of exaggeration. And you, you really like, I carefully picked like my favorite, the best RPG of the year. And for that category, just to be completely skimmed over. I was yeah, like, this happened last year too. Like yeah. I remember, I remember my friends at uh, Square Enix Montreal when they were like, "And by the way, like Lara Croft Go wins best mobile game," and everyone was like, 
wait a minute, what? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I feel like if you're going to have that many awards, you should, you should do some, like, do their due diligence. Abs for a three hour show, there was no reason that it, that, that there had to be like only 10 awards that were presented. Or I wonder if that many. has anything to do with like the ads they had to get in there and maybe they didn't have time to go over. Like, listen, like we all want, we all watch for the video games, but that show has to be funded somehow, right? And so they right. probably had to like cut the fat where they did. Not that Best RPG is fat by any means, but yeah, that was a little disappointing. Just yeah. something I'd like yeah. to see better next year. Agreed. Definitely agree. Um, so we're going to take a little break. I know that you may be wondering, but Andrea, why haven't you talked about Bungie's response to everything that's happening in the Curse of Osiris? Guess what? We're going to talk about it when I talk about my hands-on with the DLC um, in the next segment. But until then, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll have impressions from not only that, but some new content from Far Cry 5. Plus, Alexa has been crying over <laughs> Ignis. And we've got that and so much oh, more. That tear. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by TakeThis.org. Take This AFK rooms are mental health first aid for conventions worldwide. And without the psychomancers, they'd just be empty space. Since 2014, Take This has been sending Psychomancers to conventions worldwide, trained in the art of mental health first aid. Psychomancers create safe, welcoming spaces for people dealing with mental health issues and can help guide people in distress to the help they need. Between training, insuring, flying, lodging, and feeding our Psychomancers, Take This spends over tens of thousands of dollars a year to help thousands of people dealing with mental health issues at conventions all over the world. And the Psychomancers need your help to keep flying. Visit the Take This Patreon at patreon.com slash takethisorg to learn more about the Psychomancer Project and how you can help bring help, healing, and hope to people around the world. Become a sponsor of the Take This AFK Rooms, staffed with Psychomancers, stuffed with hope. Patreon.com slash takethisorg. Welcome back, everybody, to the What's Good Games podcast. So on the break, a dance party ensued um, to Persona 5. Um, and uh, it led us to a conversation talking about our impressions. Um, and before I get to Steimer's impressions of uh, Persona 5, I want to let you guys know, yes, we played games at the PlayStation Experience 2017. Yes, we went to some panels and we met a bunch of you. And we will talk about that all in our PlayStation Experience recap in the third segment of the show. So this is going to be what you don't want to be in my in my frame. I do, but you worked so hard to frame us. I know I'm worked so hard to frame us. us. Go, mom. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um. (laughs) I love it because Alexa always calls Andrea mom, and every time Andrea just like flatlines, she's like, you know, I don't like that, Alexa. And Alexa's like, I'm going to do it anyway, because Yola oh, were the, the kids the in the back of the van. Pretty much, pretty much. So um, I'm actually going to pivot, and we're going to try to wait until Steimer's resolution pops in a little bit before we talk about uh, Persona 5. So, ladies, maybe we should start with your... No. Husbandos. I want to hear about this Curse of Osiris cray-cray. Okay. Is what I want to hear about. Okay, we'll start with that. Um, So, um, here's what's happening. So... You have heard me rant on this show about 
shaders and microtransactions in Destiny 2. You've heard me rant about several other things. The new DLC, the first expansion, the Curse of Osiris launched last week for Destiny 2. Um, I didn't get to play it until yesterday because we were on the road for the Game Awards in PSX. And I jumped into a PvP match, which was a laser light show. So I tweeted about this. What happened was is there is an exotic weapon that was introduced with the DLC called Prometheus Lens. It's a energy weapon that fires like a single beam, like a laser beam. It's like a heat, like a uh, solar weapon. And it's pretty cool. What I didn't realize, though, was that it was completely unbalanced and overpowered in Crucible in the PvP portion of Destiny 2. So I didn't earn this weapon. I went to Zerk because I saw him on the map. I saw he was selling it. I was like, oh, I saw a bunch of people running around with that gun. Maybe I should buy it. So I paid my shards and I got the gun and I didn't really use it right away because I generally don't like those types of guns. There's really only one other one in the game, uh, Cold Heart. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to go about my business playing some public events and doing some missions and things like that. And then I was like, you know what? I want to jump into some Crucible and see how it's going over there because they had new maps for Curse of Osiris. Go in there and everybody is using this gun. Literally every single person is using this one single gun. And that never happens in PvP. It's like the Galahorn, whatever. The Galahorn? Yeah. Kind of. But even the Galahorn wasn't as popular because even though that was OP, there's still a lot of people that didn't let, that preferred using different types of power weapons in Crucible. Um, and that was really more popular. What are you laughing at? <laughs> she said Galahorn. And I immediately thought of like, Hala like the bread, like yeah. a gun that shoots hala bread. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds like or the like best a- kind of gun ever. <laughs> it's I kind of want a bread gun. Kill you with cards. <laughs> <laughs> Trans fat. Can I? If I was ever to be shot by any kind of gun, a that bread would, gun, that would be, be the, the gun. Hala yeah. bread. One hundred percent. That's my um, choice. <laughs> I love it. And so whew, back to serious video, video so game I, business now. So I, I equipped it and it was, it was fun for a half a second. And then I got real annoyed because I have practiced in PVP and I have a, I have a specific type of loadout like many people do that I like using. And I couldn't use it because it wasn't like if I wasn't using this one gun, then I was just dying constantly. And like the splash damage around corners was out of control. And it just was, it was bad. And I, I tweeted about it and I got a mixed bag reaction from people. Half the people were like, I love it. It's so much fun. I love the laser tag and PVP. And half the people were like me that were like, I hate it. It's made it unplayable. So uh, clearly that was one problem. There were other problems with the Curse of Osiris. The big one that a lot of people had issues with was the fact that the new Prestige raid and the new Prestige Nightfall were now locked to people who paid for the DLC when previously, if you bought Destiny 2, you had access to these items. So, Wait, what? So that's bad, right? What? You never take a piece of content that's available in the base game and then release an expansion and then paywall it. That's that's not right. Not that's okay. not okay. Um, so rightly, a lot of people were like, WTF, Bungie? Like, what's going on? So yet again, Bungie has had to now make another statement um, about what's been happening with Curse of Osiris. So let me read that really quickly. So on their blog, 
They write, with the curse of Osiris now live, it's clear that we've made some mistakes with how we handle content access. We would like to talk through the reasoning behind our decision so far and what we are committed to changing moving forward. The Destiny Endgame features a variety of activities and playlists that we want to remain relevant to players as they grow more powerful. In Destiny 1, as your character grew more powerful throughout each expansion, some of our best content, like Vault of Glass, was left behind and lost its relevance for players. We wanted a better solution for Destiny 2, where all of our endgame activities could stay relevant as each expansion causes your guardian to grow more and more powerful. The following were our goals with normal and prestige modes. The normal Leviathan raid and normal nightfall would stay at a power level that was accessible to all players. Prestige difficulty would always rise to the new power cap. It could be the pinnacle of challenge with the most prestigious awards, but it therefore would require you to own the latest expansion and be at the new power cap. Additionally, the game provides seasonal time-limited PvP playlists like the Trials of the Nine and Iron Banner. These activities and their rewards were meant to evolve each season and they utilize new maps so they would require you to own the latest content. To play the latest season of Iron Banner or Trials and earn the new rewards, players would need to own the Curse of Osiris. We've heard from the community that both of these plans aren't working. The Prestige Raid was a novel experience that players value even if they don't own Curse of Osiris, and it was a mistake to move that experience out of reach. Throughout the lifetime of the Destiny franchise, Trials has always required that players own to the latest expansion. However, for Destiny 2, Trials of the Nine launched as part of the main game, so it's not right for us to remove access to it. To make matters worse, our team overlooked the fact that both of these mistakes disabled trophies and achievements for Destiny 2. This was an unacceptable lapse on our part, and we can understand the frustration it has created. Therefore, this week, we will release a hotfix that will make the following changes. <coughs> Excuse me. The Prestige Leviathan Raid will be brought back down to power 300, and its rewards will drop down to match the new power level. All players will regain access to the Prestige Raid. This will allow access to the Prestige Achievement and Trophy for all players, and this will allow all players' ability to complete the final step for the Legends of Acris Exotic Shotgun. Trials of the Nine will only require Curse of Osiris when it features a Curse of Osiris map. For all other weeks, it will be available to all players. This will allow access to the Lest Ye Be Judged Achievement and Trophy for all players. Trials of the Nine rewards that launch with Destiny 2 will still be accessible to all players, and new seasonal rewards that launch with Curse of Osiris, such as new seasonal armor ornaments, will require ownership of the Curse of Osiris to acquire. So they continue on saying the Prestige Nightfall will remain a pinnacle activity at the 330 power cap, which means you have to have the DLC in order to play it. They say normal Nightfall will only require the DLC when it features a DLC map. And time-limited events like Iron Banner, Faction Rally, and the Dawning will be avail- available to all players. So, this is a lot. What and a load of garbage. And if you don't play Destiny, you probably like don't give a fuck, right? But what's important about this is your voice mattered, your complaints, your Reddit posts, your tweets to them all made a difference. The thing, though, that I took away from this was why is Destiny and Bungie keep fucking this up? Like, what is happening? Exactly. Right? Like, it's 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 frustrating. And I had a pretty, like, deep dive talk with some members of the team at Bungie at, at PlayStation Experience about how, why players were upset. 
And it seemed to me that they were open and willing to listen to the conversation. And I told them, I said, I don't want your takeaway from our time together to be Andrew Renee hates my game because I don't. I love Destiny 2. And I'm I super excited game. to... Christine well, Steinberg. No. <laughs> but they're, they're Simon, actually, you don't hate it, do I you? I don't, I don't, no, but I don't, I don't hate it, but I hate the fact that Bungie can't seem to get their shit together when it comes to an actual end game progression system for this fucking game that really came out, fuck, like three years ago, and then like, you had a second chance to do it again, and you still fucked it up, and in fact, you fucked yeah. it up worse. And to that I say, what are you doing? Fair. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Have you released a video game before? I don't know. Uh, wait, you <laughs> did, and this is 1.3 version of it, Sorry. but yet you still didn't do it. It's so confusing to me. I don't play, like, I dabbled around. I, I played through the beginning of the campaign where you have to play alone. But I don't... I don't, um... Like, I haven't played enough of Destiny to be as invested in it as, like, you are, Andrea, or Steimer. Mm. But, like, it just sounds to me... I've been keeping up with the news, and it just sounds to me... Like, I can't even say, like, maybe it's greed. Maybe it's herpaderp. I literally don't, I literally don't know what anyone was thinking. I don't know why they thought any of that stuff was a good idea. Why getting stuff and bumping it up and whatever was a good idea. Like, what is happen? To quote Dragon Ball Z, it's mind boggling. It is mind boggling. <laughs> they say that a lot in that series. No, and I was having this conversation with Andrea earlier. We were talking about another company that recently did a decision that was kind of uh, head-scratching Patreon. And we're like, I, I was asking, I'm like, you would think that when you have companies like this large, you would have someone specifically in that company whose entire role is to scrutinize and criticize and question every single decision you do before it's like brought out to the public. Because it's like, how does this slip people's minds and how do they not think about this? I mean, I don't right. develop games. Like this, Patreon, Bungie, but on EA with, with, with Battlefront. Yeah. At no point in any of these things, people were like, oh yeah, and then we're going to bump it up and gate it. And people paid for it already. Or yeah, we're going to, we're going to make everything microtransaction, whatever. No one looked anyone in the eye and went, what are you doing? Maybe don't do that. Whoops. Trophies and achievements right. are a blocked. terrible Whoops. idea. We're yeah, not stupid. Especially the achievements aren't breaking. stupid. Like, yeah. how did you yeah. not know that that was going to happen? Come on, right. man. So there's a, there's two sides to, to how I feel about this. One side is, there's people who are buying this at Black Friday or specifically for holiday purchases and you've gated content now for brand new players of the game, but which was, crap. which is a bad decision. Um, the other side of me is like, well, if you're going to be an ongoing player and be part of the Bungie and Destiny community and play consistently, you're going to want to buy that content anyway. But that being said, I don't ever think that you should put a piece of content in the game that's in the box at launch and then for people who join later say well you didn't buy the dlc so now you can't play that because you didn't play at launch that to me is not acceptable right. yeah what it and, said like their explanation of it too was basically in my head translated to we again don't know how to do this treadmill at the end of the game so what we're gonna do is we're going to just keep making this. We're just going to keep pushing this carrot. Just going to keep keep doing this. And then but in order to do that, we're just going to like lock it out because like we you just you just got to keep you need more carrots. Like you have the carrot. Come on, <laughs> pony, carrot, let's go. And I'm like actually stop that treating us like this. It's really freaking annoying. Yeah. It's what's the the tough part for me is like, you know, I've played 
you know, a substantial amount of the end game content and like the critiques about it not being rewarding enough are absolutely fair. And the thing that I was really frustrated with was there was a lot of issues with end game destiny that have now transferred to end game destiny two that they've had several years to address and like work out a, a fix to and find a design solution and a production solution to making it more rewarding. Like the idea that me as a light level 310 player and counting can go to the vendors in the game and they don't offer anything for sale above light level 200 is absolutely asinine to me how they have not fixed that. That you're going to say, oh, okay, well, when you finish the campaign, this is the light level you have, but we're not going to allow you to buy gear that's going to help you progress. You have to go do, you can only do these activities to earn it. I'm like, no, I get it. Like, I of course, I want to do the activities and play in the game, but the grind in Destiny was really tedious and really frustrating for many players, which mm-hmm. is why millions of players abandoned that game before they ever got to the, the House of Wolves or... You know, before they got to the dark below or even, you know, the later expansions and these events because they just gave up on it. Mm -hmm. And like that's why being able – giving them the ability to buy stuff from merchants is is important. Obviously, you have to earn that currency in the game and you can't just buy bright engrams and then you're – bam, you're, you know, light level 300. You still have to work for Mm -hmm. it. But like giving those little incremental steps to help players along the way, I just don't understand why it's not – well, it's not a thing. Right. You like, know? It's and not like the gear has to be fantastic. Like give, so like, right. you know, like give us some crap gear, but that still like boosts your <laughs> light level a little bit. Maybe it doesn't have anything right. fancy on it, or maybe it's just really ugly. Like that's also okay. And <laughs> you know, like just but- wild woods gear for everybody. Yes. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, like you do need options for players because. The reason I stopped was I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I'm in RNG Jesus mode now. Like I just <laughs> RNG Jesus and yeah. RNG Jesus is not being kind to me. And I don't feel like waiting around to see if he changes his mind. Right. Yeah. No. And that's a huge problem still in Destiny 2. Like uh, John and I were playing through the Curse of Osiris campaign together, which had a lot of beautiful set pieces, but again, just felt so shallow, so throwaway in a way that was really disappointing and it's tough because i see the work like i see the artistry and the design of the world that they're doing but i'm like really we're fighting the vex again Mm -hmm. okay cool these are virtually all the same enemies um okay the ghost shell that you get has a little tweak to it and you know osiris's ghost is a little bit different and you know i was like okay cool so that's all right you know but when you get to the end of the campaign, I'm not going to like spoil it for anybody who hasn't played it yet, but it just feels like such a letdown in a way that it's hard to continue to stomach. And I, I had this conversation with some of the, the people at, at Bungie and I was like, what's hard for me is that like the gunplay is so fantastic. The best first play- person shooter gunplay I think that I've ever played is in Destiny and it's so smooth and so polished and so well balanced that it makes it hard because I want that satisfying gameplay loop. But like the carrot is the same carrot and I've tasted this carrot over and over again. You need to like dip it in chocolate or chocolate uh, carrot. It's like a blanched carrot. It's not a good carrot. 
<laughs> Alexa, I'm still stuck on this chocolate covered carrot idea. Okay, so dip it in ranch if know. that's better. Like, oh, dip it in buffalo sauce. She just right. snaps what? it up a little bit. Right. I get it. <laughs> the idea is like dip it in gold. I don't care. It just needs to be different. Like, sure. Even if it's just a little bit different. And so it's, it's been, it's been tough. It's been tough for me. And I, I haven't played the new prestige nightfall at 3.30 cause I'm just, I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I'm gonna have to grind for a little bit and I haven't played all of the new adventures and the new side content yet, but it's just like for how uh. much, for, my, for how much money they're asking for. It's to me, it's not enough. It's too expensive. This felt like a $10, maybe a $15 expansion and they've asked for 20 plus dollars and I'm just disappointed. This is and, a $20 it, expansion. Yeah. It, I think it's actually more than that. Let oh me my double God. check. I'm pretty um, sure it was like a couple hour campaign, right? Yeah, it, exactly, exactly. And this was the big gripe people had with the dark below was like the dark below wasn't a great first expansion either. The house of wolves was really like when they brought in the prison of elders and really expanded a lot of things. That's when I got back into destiny. Same. So maybe the second expansion will bring it back, but like, do why? You learned your lesson already. Like, what are you doing? Well, clearly destiny not. Too? Clearly everybody there it's has amnesia like, and they thought that this was just going to go slightly I, differently. I no. don't, I don't play this game. It's 1999 to buy. This just sounds so this is like the same people. as Frozen Wilds. <laughs> yes. I and would the rather Wilds play the Frozen far, Wilds. The Frozen Wilds had far more content. And I just, do you, Andrea, do you think it's Bungie resting on their, oh, everyone will play Destiny anyway, laurels and being like, we can eke this stuff out of them. Do you think it's like a mandate from on high? Like, why do you think this happened? That's a great question. I, I think it's maybe column A, column B. I think that there are some people at Bungie that want to like, you know, drip feed the content to try to maintain the community over, you know, several months of play. But I think also it's Activision saying, well, like, why would we give them all of this content when we can charge them for more and they'll uh, keep buying it? Uh. You know, and that's tough because Stop. like, I just, I want people to learn from models of, hey, give people value and they'll come back and they'll buy more. And I just wanted Destiny to have an amazing year this year because I'm such a fan of that game. I have a ghost on set that's behind, on set. that's behind Brittany. If you lean, if you lean, you can see it's right there. I'm pointing to it. Oh, he's powered two. down. There's two sad. ghosts. Yeah. Um, so, and like, I, your cat's uh, name ghost. It's, I just, you're disappointed. I'm, sa- I'm sad about it. It makes me sad. And it's, it's like, the game has done well. It's sold a lot of copies from what I've heard. It's like the second best selling game of the year behind call of duty, I believe. But like, I just, but they need retention. They need an active player base. Yes, for that they do. Type of game. They do. You know, and like the game is still a, a, great game by all means i just think that you know they could have the potential for this was really great and it just like fell fucking flat again and like i don't think asking for more than like two to three hours of narrative content for 20 bucks is a stretch or at least like more end game content like if you're gonna do a short (laughs) campaign fine completely fine but you need to add more end game stuff like i feel like you just everything gets so repetitive that yeah you're like what why why would i sit why would of all of the options that i have to do with my life why am i choosing your game <laughs> so i think what i'm going to do is not play destiny 2 for a while yeah because i had i ran into the same thing you're talking about andrea where it's like i play destiny 
first when it first released. I had fun with it. And then I was like, eh, okay, the grind is real. I'm done. Stepped away, came back maybe like a year later. And then I really enjoyed my experience with it. And it sounds like Destiny 2, unfortunately, is going through the same growing pains. Why? DBZ. It's mind boggling. But I think I'll step away for a bit. And maybe I'll prioritize other games. Yeah. Voila. We want you to do well, Destiny 2. We really do. Just go over they to do. ArenaNet. They're really not that far away. Just ask them questions. I'm sure they'll answer them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's what's happening with Curse of Osiris. But I want the What's Good Guardians to know, despite the fact that I am being vocally critical of the thing I love, the reason I'm being critical is because I love this thing. If I didn't care about it, I wouldn't be talking about it. It doesn't mean it. we hate something. Like, I'm critical of Zelda. It's fine. I still love it. Come yeah. down. Yeah, we're not Zelda haters. Let's yeah. Well, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna do the new raid. I still want to nightfall with you guys. I still want to get our clan up to our max level. I'm still gonna be on. So if you see me, please, you know, like tweet to me and we'll get, oh, we'll get a, uh, some clan messages together and we'll, we'll play. It, it'll happen. Let's yeah, talk about- you're on the train and you can't get off now. Yes. Choo that's choo. The, uh, the West Good Guardians clan is full. Is there a second one? There is. There is a, uh, what's good guardians two? Is I there believe. a space between the guardians and the two? This is a good question. I'm not um, sure. People have been asking me, and I throw both wanna, options their way. Just like try them out, see what you get. <laughs> yeah, see which one works. Can we make what's good groups for all of the games? Can we get a what's good glaives together for comrades? <gasps> comrades. Speaking of Final Fantasy, segue. Is it, is it my turn now? It's your turn. So Talk episode Ignis has uh. been released. Uh, and we're gonna keep this spoiler free. Yes. I'm gonna be as spoiler freaking free. But as there I will be, be some things referenced in the main game yes. of Final Fantasy. So it if is, you haven't completed it, yeah. this is your fair warning that if you want a completely virgin experience, then don't listen. You uh, might want to skip this. Skip ahead about ten eyes. to fifteen minutes. Right. I'm using, I'm using the year rule here. If you if the game came out over a year ago and you haven't played it, I'm not gonna censor myself for spoilers. Also, Correct. just. When I say I have not played this myself, Alexa I and I are I'm both trying. like the Final Fantasy. No, no, no. I'm saying like we're both the Final Fantasy 15 like people. So I'm the not talking because I haven't played it yet. We can't get off. Yes. Choo choo. Choo choo. Choo choo motherfuckers. Um, so, so episode Ignis came out. I'm getting, I'm okay. So it came out. Ugh. Um, we were recording on a Wednesday. So it came out this morning and I downloaded it at like 6 a.m. and started playing, uh, because I heard there were alternate endings and I wanted to make sure I gave it enough time. Episode Ignis, Square Enix is marketing Episode Ignis as, um, well, obviously, if you played the main game, you know that during the fight with Leviathan in Altitia, when um, Luna Freya dies, uh, Arden kills her, and Noctis, his powers awaken briefly, and he passes out. When Noctis comes to, you, you, skip, you skip a bunch of time while Noctis is passed out. And when you wake up, you're with your promptus gladiolus and Ignis again. And Ignis is wearing his, wearing sunglasses that are concealing his eyes. And he has this big scar over one eye. And, and gladio and prompto keep saying me, saying to you, like, after, you know, like, like after what Iggy sacrificed and Noctis keeps asking what happened to him and no one will tell him. No one will tell Noctis what happened to Ignis. And Ignis is kind of like, he's very, he's very calm for someone that just lost his eyesight. And very like resolute, and that's been like the big mystery for Final Fantasy yes. players for the past year has been how did Ignis lose his eyesight? So when Square started teasing uh, episode Ignis as this is you learned how Ignis lost his eyesight, everyone was like, "Oh shit, what's gonna happen?" So 
they've been marketing this as like, this is how you learn uh, what happened to Ignis. And then they've also been saying that it has alternate endings. So you're going to want to play through it multiple times. Are there decisions uh, that you're making that's that's changing these? I'm, how do you get the alternate endings? I, I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. I do want to say, uh, if you have played Final Fantasy 15, um, but you have not watched Kingsglaive, the film, you might want to watch the film Kingsglaive before you play this DLC. I'm not, I don't want to say that you'll be totally lost, but you will see flashbacks of things from Kingsglaive that you, that might confuse you a little bit. Um, also Kingsglaive will give you more of a backstory on Ravis, Luna Freya's older brother, who plays a very large role, very large role in this DLC. Um, so I went into it being like, all right, I'm going to play this twice. Uh, and it's going to be great. I ended up playing it, um, more than twice. I think maybe four or five times because I kept failing the second branch and I'll get to that in a second too. So it picks up right as soon as the battle is beginning. Like you, you see Luna, you see Arden Sab Luna knocked fights Leviathan and then, and then passes out and you're all separated. And so the three boys are like, we have to go find Noctis. Ignis gets separated from the two others. And Ignis is like, well, I will, I will find my way there. Gameplay wise, it is. So the main game of Final Fantasy 15, you were not on rails, but there was definitely like, you could run around towns, but you couldn't like jump over uh, a railing into the water in like Altisha. You couldn't really climb anything. You were just sort of running around streets. You can, you can swim in the water. You can jump off any building, jump into the water, swim across the water. And in the beginning of the DLC, you get a hook shot that allows you to Assassin's Creed syndicate your way up buildings. You could Batman so you can your way run, up buildings? Yes. So you can run across rooftops, climb oh. buildings with it, like swim in the water. Like there, there are objectives where you have to take, uh, fight Magitech armor to, or Magitech armored troops to take back parts of the city. That's the first half of the DLC. And you can literally, like, traversal is completely open. You can do, you, you can hook shot, you can swim. I, I would swim around, like, a plaza and pop up behind a Magitech, um, like, a Magitech mech and kill it and start hitting it so I would get the jump on it. Um, it was awesome. Wow. Yeah, you can just <laughs> freely move. And I was like, where was this during most of the game? Because I felt it, it was liberating. It was awesome. Um, combat is, is largely the same as it is in the main game, except Ignis has two daggers and you can imbue them with three different elements. Yes. So it's three like, daggers. If you know what I'm saying, oh my God, sorry. sorry. Ignis is a stud. I have a soft spot. Okay. Sorry, Alexa, continue. Shout out to Adam Crozell and you follow me on Twitter. Um, if you want to be on our show, please call me. You were excellent in this DLC. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, you can, you can imbue them with, with elements and, Ignis's uh, ultimate is like you can do the L1 ultimate targets. He has a dragoon jump, so he'll jump in the air, come down, and it's like a blast radius. Or he'll go into I think it's called overclock, where he has a short period overpowered hits, and then he has something called oh god, I already forgot it. It's like total, 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 total clarity is what it's called. Total clarity. And it's a gauge that fills up as you fight more. And when he, when your total total clarity gauge is filled, you hit triangle and you can hit every enemy currently in your radius. You will hit all of them. If there are more enemies, they all take a little bit of damage. If there are less, they'll get more damage. The damage is spread out. 
And I really liked this. Um, and as you saw in the trailer, at one point you team up with Ravis and they have, and this made me really happy because I thought Ravis is a character that got really short shrift in the game. Um, you don't really know a lot about him. If you watch Kingslave, you know that he watched his mother die in front of him. And then he and his sister were captured by the Niflheim Empire and their country was annexed. And so when he grew up, he decided to be the commander of the Niflheim army and hated Noctis and hated uh, the kingdom of Lucius. And he was just super, super bitter. And we never really learned why he's so bitter. And in Kingsglaive, we um, learn a little bit more that it all sort of had to do with the treatment uh, of his sister and how he did it. He did basically every decision he made was to protect his sister. And Luna Freya, if you're following the Final Fantasy XV lore, is the Oracle. And she can use her power to, you know, summon the summons, but in doing so gives up some of her life as she awakens them. So they fight together. They have tandem attacks. It's really cool. Uh, Ravis's attack is called Last Rites, and he literally just comes up and, like, executes, like, whoever you're fighting. And it's really, really cool, and it was nice to see them run around together. They'll camp together. Uh, they don't cook anything, though. They kind of stand awkwardly back-to-back and don't look at each other, which is really funny to me. Um, and then you, you, you fight, 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 and then you get to... You're, you make your way to where Noctis and Luna's bodies are. That's the, the main objective for the first half. And once you get there, you're given a choice. Uh, it's been in the trailers. Arden makes, makes another appearance played by the amazing, uh, Darren DePaul. And he gives you a choice. And when you play the DLC the first time, you have one choice and that's it. Um, and you make that choice. You do your thing. You play the rest of the DLC. And then um, it, uh, and then you start seeing in the credits. You see flashbacks of scenes from the game where Ignis is talking to Noctis or whatever. You see the scene after Noctis wakes up after the whole Altisha debacle, where the two of them are fighting, and Ignis says, "Maybe we should stop our journey. Maybe we should stop this because everyone's dying, and we're get- we destroyed a city. Your bride is dead. Why? Are- why do we keep going?" And um, Noctis says, you of all people, Noctis gets real shit. This DLC made me realize how much of a little bitch Noctis is. Oh, yeah. He is so shitty. Wait, you just figured this out? He is so shitty. I'm sorry, Ray. <laughs> I know you also listen to my podcast. <laughs> he is so, no, he's so shitty. Like the I've whole time. i played it, but very briefly. The whole time. So yeah. his whole thing is like, you need to accept the power of your ancestors and fight for your kingdom. And he runs away like a little bitch baby. And doesn't go home. And it, and it just made me realize, like, if Noctis had been like, okay, I'm going to take responsibility now, and went home with the ring, jumped in the crystal, and took his nap early, and then came out, so many people could have not died. So many towns would be saved. People would have lived. Like, he fucked up big time. Please excuse me. Um, so, so he yells at Ignis and is like, this scene's in the main game. You know, you of all people should know that we have to, that, that like, I can't stop. And Ignis kind of, like, gets really quiet and walks away and is like, See you later, buddy. Um, you learn some stuff in this DLC, in, in this first, the first track. You learn some things that l- change, change the game. <laughs> Pop. Opening wine. You learn some things that change the tone of the game pretty dramatically. Like, I'm gonna, I wanna go back and replay from chapter nine with this in mind now because Ignis learns some things about himself and about Noctis and about the journey that they're on. That is just completely gut wrenching. And knowing that Ignis goes through the rest of the game with this knowledge in his head. And yet it makes a lot of the decisions that he makes, make sense. It, it makes it heartbreaking to see his interaction, his interaction with Noctis, who very clearly is his best friend is the person he loves the most. Oh yeah. He's very selfless dude. Um, 
Very, very selfless dude. So you beat it the first time and it's really sad. You get another campfire scene. Like it's all oh. like, it's very, it's very, very poignant. And it's like, that was really, it was sweet. And I cried a little bit and I had to walk away. Um, and then I came back and the first time you play through the DLC, the second time it will allow you to pick right back up from the choice. So you don't have to replay the beginning. And that track. <sighs> She's quiet. Cause this hurts. It's true. That track really, really messed me up. Um, if I've been saying a lot about how I love what I love about Final Fantasy 15, maybe it missed the mark on its like deal, its DLC releases. Maybe it missed the mark on a couple of other things that was really big, kind of scattered. But one thing that Final Fantasy 15 does very well is its portrayal of friendship and sacrifice and so many games were like what will you give for the one you love and it's like a romantic relationship but final fantasy 15 is the first game that i've ever played that nailed friendship mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. just nailed mm-hmm. like what would you do for like the for like the people your your best friends mm-hmm. and this second second portion not only did it feature some really a really amazing a really amazing boss fight um, that was really, really difficult. And a lot of parameters around that boss fight that made it a lot more difficult. Um, this, this part of the DLC really reinforced that message. And when Square Enix says that episode, and this is not, this is, this is, this is not a spoiler. And I'm only saying this because I want to encourage you to play it. People who are like, I'll just watch, I'll just watch DLC and I'll like do whatever for it. This is, or you'll watch YouTube videos. You have to experience this because it, there's, there's a challenge that you can, there's another, another choice that you have to make. And there's three different choices you can make. One of them will clearly, you know, like you get the bad ending every time you choose it. Um, one is, uh, one is a, a very large challenge and you have to, surmount that challenge in a, in a very short amount of time if you want to make it through. And then the other one is a challenge of struggle. And you can make that choice again, I think twice before the game is like, you know, this isn't going to work out this way. Mm-hmm. You've got to do it the hard way and make the really hard choice. Like the game doesn't tell you, but it does a really subtle, excellent job of funneling you into, we know you're trying to avoid making this decision, but guess what? That's the only way out. And it was really, really tough. And it made my palms really sweaty. I might, the controller actually slipped out of my hand. Holy shit. My palms got so sweaty doing this one fight and this like crazy, crazy. Um, but when Square says that episode Ignis has an alternate ending and that it has multiple endings, it's not, it's not multiple endings for the DLC. It is a different ending for the entire game, which is effing huge. It is a, it is a, that is something I, you don't hear very often. No, it is literally, and I'm not talking like Mass Effect 3, like we rewrote the ending. Here's another plausible ending. (laughs) It's like, it's like this can go one of three ways and all three are like, are a game ending. And one is very clearly the ending ending. And it's just like, (sighs) I have a question. If you like me, have not played this game yet and you have like if i waited until they're done with all their dlc does the dlc like naturally fit in where it should story-wise or is it still is this something from like the menu where you have to go grab it so so you select it from the menu but the dlc lets you know here's where this takes place in the main story so you can play through chapter nine 
and then go play episode Ignis before you go back to the main game. I would not recommend that. I would, I, I, everyone listening do, if you haven't finished the main game, don't do not play the second half of episode Ignis. Just don't do it. Don't do the second track. Like you'll don't just don't, 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 don't. <laughs> um, would you recommend, would you say that for is true of all of the DLC so far that you should no. just wait? No, I think, okay. gla- I think Gladiolus and Promptolius can be played like like it says like in chapter 13 blah 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 you can beat you can finish chapter 13 and then go back and play episode prompto like immediately um those i don't think you don't have to wait on because they're plugged into the story and episode ignis is plugged into the story but the second this the second ending is just something like i don't know i don't know who's who's whose decision it was it was to to do this, to have this alternate possibility, but it literally, to go back talking about carrots, it dangles this carrot. Like, obviously they would never go with this route because it would eliminate like a third of the game. And it's, and it's just, and it's like, you can't have, you can't have a compelling, you know, narrative game about struggle without having that struggle. It can't just be sunshine and rainbows. You have to have that, that dramatic, whatever. Um, and the Final Fantasy 15 team decided that this would be a bittersweet story in which nobody really wins, but, you know, um, but what the second half of episode Ignis does, I've never seen done with the game before. Um, well, yeah, I've never seen done with the game before. It is hard to watch. It is sad. Again, you're going to watch, we're going to want to watch Kingsglaive to understand what's happening here. Um, and it also drops a very large, very large, uh, uh, narrative beat about Arden that we don't really get in the main game we get a part of it but we don't see the whole thing um and arden has been such an under underexplored character and he is the main villain of the game isn't so, he getting his own dlc later too? he is getting his own dlc next year i'm trying to keep it together i don't want to cry on the show <sighs> but it's just like the scenes the writing um the writing the the way it handles it the way that the story wraps if you take the second the second line the decisions you have to make the way that the game traps you it lets you it makes you think like you can it makes you think like you can try like you can try to do this and then it and then it just funnels you out and is like fuck you you knew this was coming yeah fate fate is fate fate. you knew this was coming you're gonna have to do this um and for people that haven't seen kingslave that play it i imagine you'll probably be very surprised it reminds me of another game also under the direction of final fantasy 15 director hajime tabata shout out buddy um uh crisis core final fantasy 7 which came out for psp oh yeah yeah, yeah, many many years ago and at the end when you know you know when you start the game that zach fair is going to die he does not survive um, but in the end, when you're doing that last fight and your wheel like is spinning out of control and you're trying to control the game and the game stops letting you control it and all the systems go haywire and stop responding to you. And you know that no, you know that that's it. This is your care. This is you as a player losing control of the situation as your character gets killed and it's poignant and sad and awful it's like uh, another Tabata directed game, Final Fantasy Type Zero, where at the end you have that you have that slow trudge to the final boss, and at that point you know that you're going to die. You're not going to survive this encounter. You sacrifice your life if you want the world to live. And instead of having you run to the final boss, it is a long, long, long hallway that takes maybe three minutes to walk because your character is so battered. No matter your character is so battered, they just limp. And you can't make them go faster. You have to watch your character limp to the finish line to die. It is so emotionally, emotionally awful and gut wrenching. 
And that's what the ending and like the ending of Final Fantasy 15 did that too when you figured out like yeah well shit he's gotta like no one's gonna survive this but at least you know the world will be saved um but episode ignis does that on a smaller level with uh with the uh i am declaring it the best boy of final fantasy 15 ignis Ignis is a very selfless character and this is cool for me because final fantasy 15 the ending absolutely wrecked me um how about we talk about testicle festivals (laughs) that's a that's a super hard pivot i I need a pivot i'm getting really sad and depressed over here because i think i know where this is going because i've i've played the game and it sucks it's 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 hard to play comic relief right now so um damn girl so that was a lot of exposition (laughs) about what happens in episode ignis so clearly brit needs to play it for herself you guys need to play it it's out this week we'll do a spoiler talk um we can spoiler cast and I'll do my best to moderate, even though I don't know what's happening. Um, but, um, for all of you fans out there, it's like, we're going to move on, but just as something, it's interesting to me as somebody who's not invested in any of these characters or these storylines to see a developer taking a major plot point and pulling it so far outside mm-hmm. the release of the game and adding it in so far after launch. Like generally DLC does add some interesting narrative, but never anything so heavy hitting as what sounds like you're, yeah. you're getting at. The big thing is like what, like for a year we've all been like, what happened to Ignis's eyesight? And they mm-hmm. teased it. Like he went, he went blind. Um, and they teased what happened at the end of the Prompto DLC. But, but they but they never told us. Right. And then in these trailers, they have him running around with the ring of the Lucii, which if you watch Kingsglaive, if you're not of the royal blood of Lucius and you Don't put, put it that on, shit on, yo. Um the the you you can't use it. It 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 will take something from you. Like we see Ravis puts it on and it takes his arm. So now he has a robot arm because it burned Ooh. his arm away. And no, that's not, his, I mean I would no. be okay with a robot arm. I'm just <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's it's and you know what? And and I have to say I'm really glad that Square did this. They gave a uh, uh, sad secondary character, Ravis, some time and some redemption, and like I, because he deserves it. He's a great, fascinating girl, character. There's a thing that happens. I need you to finish next week. I know. Talk I need to be home. I cried. I cried. I cried. I cried. I cried. I cried. Oof. Um, it's tough. <laughs> I'm sorry. Simon, so, you probably heard a computer sound. Hold on. Let me go. Let me go change. Let me go fix <laughs> oh, that real quick. What's happening? Su- surprise! Surprise! I don't cry. When I play video games. Did you not cry at the end of Final Fantasy 15? No, 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 I did. Oh. I have not cried. I have not cried since. Same. The no, end no, of no. Final Fantasy 15. I bought, I ugly sobbed at the end of Final Fantasy 15 to yeah, the point too. where like, I was like, because <laughs> it was so freaking intense. Um, the latest game I cried at was Wolfenstein 2 in the beginning. Okay. Because that's effing. That's fair. Effing intense. Um, so let's start this awkward. Let's play, let's talk about something else before I start crying again. Go play episode Ignis. Talk to me. Tweet at me. What are you talking <laughs> about? What you testicle festival. <laughs> what, is that what you testicle said? Testicle festivals. I mean, that is Final Fantasy yeah, 15, so but. To have like the, <laughs> to have like the hardest of hard pivots. Um, so today, which is earlier in the week for everybody listening to the show, uh, Britt and I had the opportunity to get hands on with Far Cry 5. So we have played this game a couple of, t- oh, I've you played have. this game a couple of times before. I know Alexa Ray has also played. Steimer, have you, you played it at E3, I right? played it at E3, yeah. Um, and so they were announced that the release date has been pushed back a little bit. So they're going to be coming out in March, uh, late March. Um, March 27th. Far Cry 5 is coming out. So, um, 
we were there and today they showed us uh about 90 minutes to two hours of a new single player gameplay and then Britt and I got to play co-op together, yes. which was very exciting. So um, Far Cry 5, if you ha- aren't familiar, is set in Hope County, Montana. And you play a protagonist. And for the first time, I believe, in the Far Cry series, you can choose your gender, which is which is which is cool. Um, because before you were always just like a random dude. And so we picked girls with ponytails. Um, Hell yeah. And we had majestic ponytails. Girls with ponytails. <laughs> How was the and hair physics? It, the, surprisingly amazing, yeah. actually. Really? Um, You'd say amazing? Well, I mean, for a Far Cry game, I thought it was I saw you as your drive. Okay, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sat behind you in the plane and you your did. ponytail was whipping around. Your hair great. was great for Far Cry. Anyway. Well, like, listen, they, I haven't seen ponytail physics in a Far Cry before, so. Okay, also, in, and in fairness, most video game hair is pretty bad. No, it is. It's true. Like, video yeah. game hair in, in, it only the physics of hair only really looks good in cutscenes, like fully animated. The Lara Croft's ponytail is pretty like animated. It kind of like yeah. flops around. It's got a mind of its own. Though. No, I mean the it's ponytail like, like it's irrelevant. But like in gameplay, it doesn't it doesn't no, look that good. It's fine. Um, so we're playing, and um, so they drop us in, and they open up this giant map, and the map for Far Cry Five looks huge. Oh yeah. Which is cool and daunting at the same time if you've played Far Cry. Samra's shaking her head. No! <laughs> they've, they've suffered from, you know, map fatigue where you open up the map and you just see all of these markers and it's too much stuff. And I, I would argue that there may be too much happening in the sandbox. And this is a common Ubisoft problem throughout all of their titles. That they want to put so much into the sandbox that it becomes overwhelming and I would say that that maybe is happening here again. However, uh. it's it's interesting. The, the the content is a little bit different. Once again, hunting is back. Animals are back. I fought a badger. They're back. A wolverine. Oh um, there's all kinds oh, of yeah. uh, native animals. Well, I fought a bear. Uh, uh, yeah. um, they've added fishing in, and the fishing mechanic oh, was really what? weird. Why does um, everyone have to add fishing? I don't know. I don't want to fucking fish in a video game. Right? Okay? Hey, I, I don't like want to fish. Like, listen, I really like Far Cry as a franchise. I think that they do some really interesting things narratively, and they also have great gunplay. Um, speaking of, like, first-person You shooters, love that word, gunplay. It is. I mean, yeah, I do. I don't know how else to describe it. You're the only person I've ever heard use gunplay. No, come on. Really? For real. Well, there that you might go. Be Maybe gunplay. you spend too much time in JRPG land. Uh, uh, for sure. Um, but <laughs> so you here's the thing. You want to know how you um, should fish in Far Cry? With your motherfucking gun like a normal no, you throw person. <laughs> you just throw a grenade. Fish. It's like Zelda. You throw a bomb and this case a grenade in the water and all the fish float to the top and then you collect them. Or you, you just walk in the water and, you, and take it, them. An illegal way to fish. God damn it. Uh, yeah. Zelda, you can but, just walk up to fish and grab it and it's like, boop, it's your fish. It's yeah. true. Um, so, uh, the, the graphics look great in the build that we played. It's beautiful, yeah. Um, and you get to meet all of these interesting people in Hope County and the idea is that the main villain is this guy named John, John Reed, who is like this pastor figure. John Reed! Who has a cult of religious followers who are very torturous, murderous people. Assholes. Um, there's some really graphic things happening. I mean, which is not surprising for Far Cry. They do push the envelope quite a bit when it comes to 
um, graphic. Like the M for mature is, is 100% in effect in this game. <laughs> um, we, when we were playing together, we came across a body that was like strung up by ho- hooks through the feet. Oh yeah. This is the first thing and we his, saw. Like too. guts were like open. And he had a flower was, in his hand that was like dangling. It was like, really graphic oh, yeah. imagery. Um, and they have take prisoners and they have no hesitancy to shoot these people. And this is stuff we've seen in Far Cry before. So, I think the reason why it feels a little bit more shocking, a little bit more graphic is because it's here in the United States where we live. And the idea that a cult like this could be, you know, carrying out this level of violence here on our soil in our country. Isn't that far out of the box, right? Well, I mean, oh man, no, I would say the opposite. I would say like it is out of the box. As somebody who grew up in North Dakota in one of these kind of rural areas with agriculture, with these kind of small town churches, a lot of it with kind of agriculture. kind of you have you ever been to an actual farm, Alex Ray? Once. How was how was did you pick I was pumpkins very small. <laughs> I was very small and I don't remember much about it, but um, I do remember the horsies. Yes, there are horses. I mean, so like the thing for me is like it, it, it rings true in a really kind of frightening way. The idea that this kind of violence could be happening on our soil. And, you know, the development team has spoken about, you know, how they have researched cults and talked to actual kind of cult leaders and things in certain parts of the state. And it was, it was really interesting, like kind of tying that all together and, you know, them setting it in America, I think is very poignant at this particular time for what's going on in this country. But it's, um, when it comes down to gameplay, Brit, this was your first time playing. How did you enjoy the single player gameplay? I enjoyed it. I wouldn't, okay. What's the thing I want to touch upon real quick before I forget? Um, so in Far Cry, I've never been able to finish a game because I get too overwhelmed with the sandbox like we were talking about earlier. There's too much to do. I'm like, ah, and then I lose track of the main story. I lose interest. Game over. However, because there is co-op in this game, I think it's like much more likely that it will retain my interest because everything is more fun with a good friend most of the time. Um, unless that good friend is driving a plane and then crashes that plane into hey, the ground. Oh, don't you? Ooh. Oh no, baby girl. Don't you try to exaggerate what happened. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, we're going to go here now because Andrea is trying to throw me under the airplane. Ooh. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually crash the airplane. It was fine. Yeah. Okay. So how the game played, it, it felt like a fark. I mean, it didn't, nothing like stood out to me. Fark. I was like, Oh my God, this isn't a fark. Nothing stood out. I was like, fark Oh my God, cry. this is new and amazing and innovative. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So this airplane situation. We are in this co-op demo, and it's like, what the hell do you do? Because, like Andrea said, the map is huge. There's tons of things to do. You could walk in one direction and find, like, probably five different side quests within, like, 15 minutes or so. So she's like, I don't know. I was in the middle of this aviation quest. We should go check that out. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm here for the ride. So we get this truck. This is after we found the body hanging from its feet. We get in this truck. We drive to this, like, place. She's like, okay, we're going to – There's it's an outpost full of – what do they call them? Peggy's? Yeah. Peggy's bad mm-hmm. guys. She's like, okay, we're going to get really stealthy. We're going to like crouch through. And if anyone knows me, I'm the worst at stealth. Why so are they I'm called like, Peggy's? I don't know. I'm like, are um, they all named Peggy? N- no. Peggy Sue, Peggy Bob, Peggy Yeah, it's got to be a like an acronym for something. Peggy Bob. So Andrew's like, okay, we got to be stealthy because there's a lot of guys here. I'm like, all right, well, stealthy, that means I'm hanging out like at least 30 meters back because God knows, like I'll step on a rock and I'll alert the entire world of my existence. 
So Andrea is like sneaking around. She's like taking people out and she's like, okay, we're going to go in here. There's an airplane. I'm like, okay. So I run in and next thing you know, I'm piloting this airplane. That was, that was by accident, but was I was happy. Accident. I was happy to, to be a passenger on this plane ride. Thank you. Were you? Like, it sounds oh. like it ended badly. Yeah. It sounds like you weren't <laughs> happy at all. Because I'm so bad at driving things. I'm bad at flying things. I'm bad at selfies are all things I'm not good at. I just, I don't know why it's you not say you're bad at selfies. Stealthy. Stealthy, 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 you know, a much better Superman 64. Drive through, fly through the rings. I'm like, okay. What? So I'm able to fly through the rings. And then at one point, I had to shoot things. And it's like, okay, I can handle it. Andrew's nothing but a passenger at this point, admiring my majestic ponytail. Probably quietly freaking out. Sorry, you got excited. I had to turn your mic down. Thanks. I get really excited. I peek a lot. <laughs> oh, wait. Am I still peeking? Okay. Um, I'm sorry, friends, if you've lost your uh, hearing. She's still peeking. So I do all of the things <laughs> I'm supposed to do with ease. I only had one minor bluff. And then it comes time to land the airplane. Oh, God. Here we go. And I'm thinking, you know, I've ridden many airplanes in my day. This should be easy. This is easy. Like, push circle to slowly descend. I'm like, all right, I got this. Oh, yeah, this part. Did you just, <laughs> wait, wait, stop, stop. Did you just say, I've been on many airplanes in my day, so this should be easy? Yeah. You got to have a, sm- a smooth, slow, gradual decline Therefore, onto the runway. I know You've how to landed fly an airplane. airplane many times, right? Like you, but I've never driven an airplane into especially wait, a two-seater <laughs> yeah. onto the ground. <laughs> yeah, with my dear friend behind me. So I'm like, all right, I got this. So I start lower, lower. And I, and I, the, the landing is a little bumpy, but kind of like butter. You know, I'm not... And so I land. It chunky butter? Chunky uh, butter. Yeah, like, isn't butter what usually kind of like butter a are you purchasing? Like butter? <laughs> chunky <laughs> butter? Did it melt and then you, and then froze and then you like, you hit it? Like what? What, what happened to your butter? butter? It was you never leave butter. your butter out on the counter. It sounds like what so you're So I guess my landing could be classified as chunky butter. So chunky I have my butter. chunky butter landing. And then you have to turn the airplane. I don't know how to drive an airplane. And I, I did, because I hopped in that airplane and I just took but off. But you've I been actually had airplanes before. Clearly I know. You know how. Clearly that doesn't help me. So my logic is flawed. Okay, thanks, Simon, for pointing that out. Uh, next thing I know, I am in a shed. And my propeller is, like, chipping away at the shed. And Andrea's like, do you need help? Do you need me to come over there? What can Meanwhile, I do Meanwhile, I'm just sitting in the back seat of the plane. Because it's a two-seater, so I'm just in the back. I can literally do nothing. I'm like, do I get out of the airplane and leave her? Uh, yes, you can't get out. The answer was yes. Could you have gotten out? No, I tried. Because if you're the passenger, you cannot get off of the vehicle until the main person piloting Until the, the driver leaves. Wait, really? What? Yeah, you're hostage. Wait, so you wait, can't, like, wait. Yeah, because that's... It's a, it's a, I don't know, like, I don't know if that's going to make it to the final game. Like, in full disclosure, they told us that this was not final code. Obviously, they have three months of work to, left to do in the game, that there was bugs, there was glitches, and I, because there was a point where we were riding a jet ski together, and I was, (laughs) it's like you guys had the best fucking time. It was really, it was really fun. It was super fun. Um, and I, she couldn't get off the back of the jet ski until I got off the front of the jet ski. Because there was another jet ski, and Andrew's like, hey, like, this was one of those times where we had nothing specific to do. We're like, let's just explore. We just, yeah, we were just digging around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that we found another jet ski. And I'm like, all right, I want to get this jet ski. And I'm pushing square, pushing whatever, and it, nothing's happening. And I'm like, I think you need to get off the jet ski before so, I get off the jet ski. So you basically hold your passenger hostage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your co-op buddy. 
Hey, you want to be my buddy? If you get in this, if you get in this car, this plane, or this jet ski, you're here until I'm here. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was really uh, fun. I, I think this game will hold for single player, obviously. But for me, it's going to be the multiplayer that I'm like super duper stoked about because it's fun. There's so much to yeah. see and do. You never know what you're going to come across. It's fantastic. And they told us that when you're playing in co-op that you will maintain your character level progression. So if you earn perk points and you find specific weapons and things like that, that will transfer over. However, if Britt was playing in my game, so we had done a main story mission, she would then have to go back and redo that story mission in her game for the main story missions. Or was it all missions? I can't remember. No, they did not clarify. Uh, that sounds um, like a deal breaker to me. Yeah. I mean, for I can understand that. For me, I plan on primarily just only co-oping this so it's not going to be an issue but i can understand if you want to like pop in someone's game help them out a bit like you struggle through a mission all of a sudden like you have to redo it in your own game that would suck yeah i don't i I told brit it felt very much like the borderlands method of co-op when you're jumping in and out of people's games having to go redo the same stories in your game that you did in somebody else's game but you only had to do that if you weren't aligned like if you didn't have the proper if you weren't on like the same quest otherwise it worked Right. I, uh, I'm not that altruistic. I would never go help someone else. <laughs> it's not about helping. It's about having fun and kind of like just enjoying the playthrough together. And I think that the work that they've done in the co-op of Ghost Recon in particular mm-hmm. this year is really evident in this game. And um, this feels much more polished than Ghost Recon. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the open world stuff that we've seen in Assassin's Creed, it's clear that a lot of their studios are sharing knowledge, which I think is a good thing. So is the Predator in it? <laughs> no, no, that Not was announced. This, excuse me, this week Predator is in Ghost Recon. No dice. Um, I think I think that um, Far Cry's problem is that. I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time stomaching killing so many, like what I would call innocents in games. And it's, and like, I know that's controversial because for a lot of people, they're like, well, this has been a thing in Far Cry. You kill a lot of random people or a lot of random people, civilians get killed. And that's part of like what Far Cry does is they have these really evil villains who do atrocious things. And I think that there's going to be a lot of players who have a particular difficult time here in the United States seeing this happen to mm. American citizens. And that's a real, that's a real thing, you know? And like, and is it, is it, you know, do you want to call it a racist thing? Sure. Absolutely. Do you want to call it an unfair discrimination thing? Absolutely. But I think that it's going to be an issue. I think the it's more of that a was, disassociation. Like, yeah, if that I'm too, playing yeah. something that's in, Across the world, I have no reference for that. Like, I have no reference for those people, for that culture. Um, but yeah, but when you're playing something and it's something you live and see every day, it does be, it hits much closer to home. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, like, the thing that was tough about playing that game is that it just felt like so much unnecessary violence. And even with the animals, so Brit, in Brit's, really amazing hard pivot where she was talking about the testes festi testy festi so in the game uh, there is a testicle festival why about rocky mountain oysters which oh, are right. bulls, that's a thing testicles which are 
a thing. Right. They're a delicacy in certain parts of the country. So if you've never had a Rocky Mountain oyster, um, I only recommend them deep fried with lots of ranch so you can't taste what they are. Um, but perhaps you've had them Wait, served a different way. And what's the point of eating it? Yes, I've tried a Rocky Mountain oyster. I have. Okay, gotta know. Real quick. Yeah. One to ten. How good was it? Probably like a three. Oh. The only good part was the fact that it was breaded and there was ranch. Sure. But it was really chewy. Like in like overdone calamari kind of like too chewy kind of a way. It was just no. Yeah, it wasn't pleasant. And I'm sure there's somebody out there going, I could make you the best Rocky Mountain oyster. So no, don't. There's a quest line where there's like you meet this this cook who's like, we want, don't want the cult to interfere with the fact that we celebrate this festival every year. I've got all these Which supplies. Which is a real thing, by the way. The Testy Festy is a real thing. One of the developers was telling me. Um, that's why I horrifying. Is there um, like a, is there a female equivalent? Do we get like the, the vagina festival? No, because you, you want people ripping your you ovaries out and eating them? Because the, the problem the is, ovary yeah, because the vagina is not an edible body part, right? No. It's a cavern. Um, so. <laughs> it's a cavern. <laughs> things in there you could theoretically eat. I'm n- I mean, no, not really. What? No, no, uh, Alexa, no. no. There's Stop nothing it. in there. We need to change this topic before I say something um, I regret. So here's the thing. How do anatomy work? Rock, the quest line I'm mad. takes Gender you equality. to a field where there are cows and bulls and you have to murder bulls in a very specific way. Um, the term hide the salami comes up in conversation. Um, and it's, uh, so it's, it's weird. Like, I mean, it was funny. I mean, Brit, you know, talked about how she got a, a good, a good laugh out of it. I was like, listen, I don't, I don't want to murder these bulls. They didn't do anything to me, but apparently they tried to kill you. I didn't have any sympathy. These are like the hippopotami and Assassin's Creed Origins. Oh my god. These things are ruthless. They take (laughs) at least three shotgun shots to the face before they go down. You definitely have to shoot them a lot. They're bullet sponges. They will, yes, they are. They will two hit you. So I walked up to these bulls before I had even acquired this quest. I'm like, oh yay, it's like a little cow with horns. It's a bull. And I walked up to it, almost killed me, and I had to run away. And so in the beginning of this quest, you have to, in order, you have to acquire three different bull testicles. You have to get a blue one, which is when you dis- you kill a bull mounting a cow. You have to get a shredded one is when you run over yeah, it with yes, a mulcher. while he's mating. While he's yep. mating. Mm-hmm. And then you have to get another one, which is where you have to kill a bull with fire. Now, I didn't have any sympathy towards these creatures because, like I said, they almost killed me several times because I was naive. And so the funny part about this quest was you have to unlock this pen of cows so the bulls can mount them so you can kill them. That sounds so bad. You have to, uh... That sounds so bad. So you unlock, you unlock this, this pen and all of a sudden sexual healing starts playing. So like, it was, no, okay, that's it kind was of amazing. so funny. Like we're talking the actual song. The actual song you, is playing. Sexual healing. So I appreciate this. It goes from all of like the <laughs> sounds love of Far Cry 5, like the rural, like atmospheric sounds. It's her, <laughs> and then you unlock and all these cows start trotting now, then turns to sexual Ooh, healing. And so I'm like trying I to watch these, <laughs> I'm I waiting for these bulls to mount these cows. <laughs> And it's not happening. The bulls are just aimlessly wandering around. And the cows are just looking at like, huh? You have to wait for the business to happen yeah, for yeah. quite some time. You the, do. And the song keeps playing. And I'm like, is this going to start looping if no one starts making out wait, yet? And the problem is the bulls are, they aggro very easily. So if you kind of like, are even like peeking around, like lurking, trying to like wait for the action to start, they will charge you. So I was getting you charged. You have to hide in the bushes while you're waiting yeah, to watch these but, bulls see, get I didn't down hide. to business. Like some was, weird cow pervert. Exactly. Yeah. I was almost killed 
yelled many times to the tune of sexual healing today. And so you're running around these bulls like, and they're like chasing you. And you hear the sound of like fences, Alexa. You hear the sounds of fences crashing behind you because these bulls do not stop chasing you, ladies and gentlemen. They will chase you to the end of the earth while sexual healing is playing. And I was laughing so hard at my little cubby. What? You're telling me (laughs) that you have to kill animals and flagrante delecto yeah while sexual healing plays oh yeah to complete a mission as soon Correct. as yeah as soon sign as, me up as, yeah <laughs> i mean as soon as you destroy the bull you know mounting a cow the song stops and life returns as normal kind of do you think that that cow is just like what the hell just happened Oh, well, I have no, to because imagine. it's a video game cow. Video game cows don't, don't have feelings. Oh my god, I know. What what so what Britt doesn't know is that when I did this mission, um, I didn't realize that I had to like unlock the pen. All I did was I was in a truck. I was driving through the wilderness. Um, it, not on the road. We, t- we later figured out roads are better because your vehicles destroy really quickly in the woods. Um, and I saw like a little yellow beacon and I was like, I drove up to it and I smashed through the gate, not realizing that was the gate that I had to unlock. <laughs> and so there was like all these cows and bulls around me and I like get out of the, the car that I'm in and I'm like, Hey guys, I'm here. And then the song starts to play and, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on here? And then like the, marker in the mission comes up that's like you must kill a, bu- a bull while it's mating and I'm like why? I'm like oh this is awkward why, oh the why? bull's just trying to have a good night with his lady cow and but, now I'm gonna come murder him but why do you have alright here it is I'm, I'm hung up on this why do you have to why do you have to kill is there a real world reason for why you have to kill the bull while it is mating that um, has to so, do with yeah. according yes. to the cook Casey Casey, yeah, that's his name. He said that something about the flavor of the balls when they're engorged during the act of mating makes the flavor better. It's true. I think Casey's fucking with you. <laughs> well, I'm going to Google this right now. Okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know if you want to Google that. That might take you down a path that you're going to regret. You should you open an incognito this. tab or yeah, forever inc- hold yeah, your incognito peace. incognito that shit first. So, okay. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Incognito. My internet service provider is forever going to know that you've Googled this on my internet. So you're doing this for the morale, ladies and gentlemen. This is an age-old tradition that has happened in this county or whatever the hell we are. Forever and ever. Hope County. Hope County. No, what's the name of the town? Eden something. Oh, Land's End? No, what is it? Falls End. Falls End. Falls End. And it's for the morale of the humans. And, you know, sometimes (laughs) a bull or two or a dozen need to be sacrificed. I disagree. I mean, I think it's funny because it's a video game, but... Like real life things of like we're, we're not talking about real life animal because no, it's but fun. like this has like, got to be based in real life, right? The idea that they kill bulls like while they're like hiding the salami is like and that is <laughs> fucked up. Like and so it's weird. Funny, after you complete this quest and you turn it in, um, you there's a festival. The Testy Festy is held, and you, you drink. also have to set a bull on fire. I'm just you do. Yeah, I had to throw that. I had to throw two Molotovs at him. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, but let's. There's surely not. And I got a roasted. Like, you I surely got roasted in real life would never kill a bull via a Molotov cocktail. Like Correct. that's not a real thing. No, it's a video game. Yeah. Uh, and so then the testy festy is held, and you have drinks, and then like it fast forwards to a few hours later, and your vision's all like drunk, and you ha- you look around. There's people like cheering you on, like ah, and you have to take a slingshot and pop balloons on like clown scarecrow things, and then you wake up, 
next to a pig in a party hat. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> what, Alexa Ray? No, tell- she's, no, she's now finished her Google search. <laughs> And then the I, thing with the pig reminds me way too much of Black Mirror, and now I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I, have not, I don't know what you're talking about. You should never watch that episode. It Noted. will scar you for life. Okay, Alexa, what have you learned from the Google machine? <laughs> uh, so typically, the testicular removal <laughs> Sorry. on bowls is not because... The, 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 the balls are never removed for a culinary reason. It's typically they are moved for veterinary practice or animal husbandry or controlling breeding or because they're going to use the, like use, neutering use the your animals. they're going to, yeah, or they're yeah. going to use the bull for beef, but they have these te- testicles. So they're like, whatever, let's fry them. There's no, there's no, <laughs> don't throw away. Let's eat it. There's no, there's no, uh, no research mm. to suggest that harvesting them at any specific time makes them better. So someone on the fucking Far Cry development team decided that they wanted this to be a thing that they would make you do. I mean, yeah, that plus setting them We've on fire. Like, there's no games. way that that's the legitimate way that and, they would. There's also one where you have to take a specific tractor that has, a like, a, a mulch like on the front. You have to run it down and, like, mulch the, the bowl. So you get a shredded testy. This game sounds okay. You gotta get a Why blue testy, just shred it a after shredded. You, you got it. Right? That's no, that, exactly. Apparently, shredded so, is different. Far Cry games have always been very bloody and very, very violent. And like, this is crazy. But this sounds to me like it's just crazy violence for cuckoo violence's sake. Yeah. That sounds, that does not sound fun to me. It's funny if you have to go get bull testicles, like, oh, go get some bull testicles. But the fact that you have to like murder them while they're banging or like mow them down with a mulcher just sounds like to me that's just too much. It's gratuitous. Mm-hmm. It's too, that's too much. It's too much, man. I yeah. could see, I could what the I hell? see, no, I respect that. I guess for me, I just, and I'm not a bad person. I have a lot of empathy for people. I you just, do. You, you don't have to, we know. No, I know, but we believe you. I thought it you was, you bought me a I Christmas mean, I was, tree. I was cracking up as I was being chased to sexual healing by bulls. And I was like, ah, this is funny. Now, you know, I don't know any of the context. They just kind of like drop you in the game. Now, assuming shit's hitting the fan, things are really serious and dark. This Could this be comic relief for the game? I don't know. But I'm not comfortable making that call yet. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of entertaining. Yeah, I think from my experience playing Far Cry, there's obviously, like as Alexa said, it's no stranger to really like over-the-top violence. There's something about this setting that just feels a little forced isn't the right word. It just feels like it's like more violent than previous Far Cries have been. And I don't know if it's because these are like down home people like that just have farms and like run small businesses. And they remind me a lot of people that I know back home or that feels more real. That was going to be my yeah. next my next question specifically for you, Andrea, because mm-hmm. you grew up in North Dakota. North Dakota. North Dakota. With your bagels. Bagels. Oh. Bagels. Bagels. Um, do you feel like people here who maybe not necessarily in Montana, but people that are down home people, live on farms, like Middle America, do you feel like those people are going to be offended? by oh, this game 100 percent. okay but i also think a lot of those people are never going to play this game okay um but there are, i mean when this came out there was you know like minor controversy when this game was originally announced right right, right? so 
I think that a lot of people who are upset are going to re- remain upset. I don't think it's going to hurt this game overall. Cause right. I think, I think as Brittany has mentioned, this is a video game. As Steimer mentioned, this is a video game, right? Like suspension of disbelief. This is fantasy. This isn't real. Like a lot of this stuff is like hyper violent because it's not real. It's just a little bit tougher for people like us who are Americans to swallow people like me specifically because it rings very true to home. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of other games that really base themselves on realism. Look at Call of Duty World War Two, right? right? Like that's another hyper violent game that's based in realism on real places and real events that went down, you know, like that's video games, right? They touch on a lot of these things that are realistic, but also fantasy at the same time. You have to suspend the disbelief of that fantasy. But my, my, my biggest problem with Far Cry is that like, I have yet to see why I'm supposed to care about any of these people or any of these places. I think the exoticism, exoticism of places like, you know, the Far Cry 4, the setting we had there and this like Shambhala place, this magical dream place and seeing these really cool environments was something that was interesting. But now I'm like, so these are woods, these are fields and farms, and while they look great and the art is great, I'm I'm kind of asking myself, why do I care? Okay. What's the hook? Where's the human interest? And they do have some interesting characters. You know, we there's obviously the co-op aspect of the guns for hire, the fangs for hire, the dog, know, your your boomer, your dog friend. But like I'm like, I'm still waiting from the things that I've seen so far to give me a reason why I'm, who's the redeemable character here. Right. Right. And for me, like this was my first demo. So my default answer would be because I haven't seen enough of the story because I haven't been there from the beginning to really know what's going on. But you've played this game like what, four or five times. Yes. So do you think it's a poor judgment in demos that they've showed you? Possible. And, you know, when we left the demo today, you know, I told Britt that I felt some of the same frustrations that I had when I left the Assassin's Creed demo previously, that they dropped me into the middle. They didn't let me pick my perk points in the skill tree. They pre-picked them for me. Um, I, at one point, someone in the room tried to tell me how to change weapons. And I was like, excuse me. Do you know who she is? No, it happened to me, too. Um, I was like, I know that you're trying to be helpful, but I'm specifically using this weapon because this is the weapon I want to use. Right. Um, but at the, it was just like the demo situation, I think, has maybe painted it in an unfair light because I left that Assassin's Creed demo pretty frustrated that I felt like I was underpowered and the leveling system didn't feel fair. Like in this demo, like yeah. a couple of shots and you're dead. I also you know, had a bad, a bad origins demoing experience. Yeah. So like- and, and I, and I don't want to hold that against Far Cry because I now obviously have played dozens and dozens of hours of Assassin's Creed and absolutely love that game. And I've talked about that on this show several times and I've, enjoyed my experiences with Far Cry, so I'm reserving judgment, but I think that what I'm feeling, other people are going to feel in a much broader sense, particularly for people who buy the game here in the United States than in other places. Okay. That's all. Well, shit. But it was fun when we were playing together. I'm not going to lie. It was so much fun. (laughs) We had a good time. It was so fun playing. And that's mostly what I'm looking forward to is just playing with someone else, dinking around the world, wandering around. It feels like I said earlier, more like polished 
Ghost Recon Wildlands. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But um, this segment has gone on way Ooh. too long with Steimer. We need to hear about Persona 5. You don't. It's okay. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, Are you sure? Yeah. It's fine. It's Wait. fine. Wait. Did you see it coming? Wait. Always. Wait, you're going to play it again? No. Huh. We cannot end this segment because it's hands-on until you read your dramatic passage about the seal man. Wait, why don't I start the next segment with that? Yeah, but let's I don't want to hear it now. Oh. No, let's just start the next segment. Okay, we'll, fine. We'll seal start man. the next segment with it. Okay, seal so Simon, man. do you want to play more Persona? You want to talk about it next week, or what do you want to do? Yeah, I'll play more. I'll play more. Okay. Back. I want to hear the seal man. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for sticking with us. We know this has been a long one, but there's been a lot to talk about. Um, when we come back. I will do a dramatic reading from the Powers That Be trilogy, and we will talk about what we played at PlayStation Experience, including a very long, lengthy, in-depth demo of Dreams, among other things, and some VR. Stick with us. We'll be right back. everybody this is the third segment of the whisker games podcast so um we've been talking a lot about hands-on stuff with games but if you listen to the show last week seal man we went off the rails <laughs> just a little bit seal man where um the girls were giving me a hard time and have been continuing to give me a hard time and man the amount of seal photos and gifts that have oh, been coming yes, in over the walrus by accident i'm sorry you did um so I'm holding the books, the book series, um, the paperback series that I have here. So this is the Powers That Be trilogy. This is the book that started it all, uh, the Powers That Be. Um, I picked this up when I was a teenager because I love sci-fi, and I was like, ah, oh, that looks like a cool chick on the cover. Let's, I'm going to read them now. She Let's does check it out. It's great. So it's Anne McCaffrey and Elizabeth Ann Scarborough. Powers That Be is the name of the first book. And then Power Lines is the second book, and Power Play is the third book. So let me just read the back of the book so you have a baseline here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Strange things were happening on the icy planet called Pitabi. Unauthorized, genetically engineered species had been spotted. Geological survey teams sent to locate newly detected mineral deposits were either coming up empty or disappearing altogether. And the locals weren't talking, especially not to the company bent on exploiting the planet. Disabled combat veteran Yanaba Maddox seemed to seemed to the company to be the ideal spy. The frailty that made her no further use to the military would be a perfect blind to allow her to get close to the P2B natives. But miraculously, with her relocation to the Arctic planet, came a return of Yana's health and strength. The more she got to know the people of P2B, the more determined she became to protect her new home. For something strange and wonderful truly was happening on P2B. Something worth fighting for. Or even 
dying for, but especially something worth living for. Oh, shoot. So that's like the basic premise is that you, the, it follows this character, Yana, um, who was in the military and she's got like, she was part of, um, she was on a space station that was under a terrorist attack and the terrorists, um, used gas to infiltrate and kill a lot of the civilians that were on the space base. And she survived by like hiding under bodies of other dead civilians. But she, because she inhaled so much of this gas, she has like these permanently damaged lungs. So they kind of Jeez. like discharged her as like, um, as you know, permanently, um, like, um, off for duty or there's a specific military term that I'm sure a lot Honorably of military discharged. No, it's, um, it's discharged for some kind of medical reason. Mm, um, but the seal man. So she's on this planet. Yes. We're going to get there. Hold on. Seal man. Um, so she's on this planet and the company that, you know, she worked for was like, well, there's these weird, like as I mentioned, there's these weird things happening. Go down, suss it out. So she, over the course of the book, Starts to become friends with these people, and she meets Doctor Shang Shangli, Shangli, yeah, Shangli, the seal, whose grandfather was a genetic scientist on the planet. Um, and I wanted to just read a passage about how I talked previously about how the planet is sentient, 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 sentient. Um, is this about the seal man or about the planet? Well, I gotta put this first because it all is coming together. Making her point. All right. Okay. Okay. So. They talk about um, the planet and why why it makes sense and why people are why people are the way they are. Um, so this planet was terraformed by the company that Yana works for. But what they didn't know is when they terraformed it, they kind of awoken. They awoke it, so it like was always sentient, but now it's like all more alive and trying to communicate because the terraforming process does that. So, um. He's talking to Yana, trying to explain to her why the planet is is the way it is. And he says, um, um, <clears throat> he says, religion has nothing to do with it, Yana. We weren't worshiping. The planet is alive. It's only courteous to communicate. There's a relationship involved, he said quite lightly and happily. She realized that he was more relieved than he cared to admit that she had come through her introduction without trouble. And that refers to her having this, like, kumbaya experience in a cave like communicating with the planet he continued his rather nonchalant explanation while he draped around her nibbling her ear the company wants As a seal <laughs> no he's human no enough. different guy Wait. the company wants us to think that everything on the planet came from them but that's not the case the planet has a mind has developed resources of its own living here most of us know that and accept the gifts the protection and in return we offer a companionship and i don't know expression i suppose but why? Why does it not only accept you, but give you so much? If it is really a living, thinking being, it could as well resent you for occupying its surface. What does the planet get out of you? Us being here? He smiled lazily again and ran his finger through the length of her spine. Scientifically speaking, I haven't a clue, but I do have a theory. I think that the reason probably is maybe that PDB likes us. That's it? It provides for you? It lets you live here? It allows you this... She searched for a word. This blissful form of communication just because it likes you? 
That's about the size of it, he nodded. And it protects us from its own extremities as well. Don't forget with the adaptations. He gave her a delicate nibble on the back of her neck to punctuate his remark. That ultimately didn't provide enough protection for Lavelle, she reminded him, trying to sound rational when all she wanted to concentrate on was how to twist in order to nibble him back. Mm, it oh can my only God. protect its people here. Arf, Yana. Miracles are seldom things. Will I grow the adaptations? Though, what was the ugly term? Brown fat and the protective layer under the skin, which is a scientific term for these people who live here. If you need them, she pressed a thumb roughly across his bare forearm and gave him a quizzical look. Oh, yes, I have it, Sean said uncomfortably. Or Sean said comfortably. And a few other accommodations you'll just have to find out for yourself. Some of us are more fully adapted than others. I, for instance, am even more a creature of P2V than Lavelle. Sealman! Sealman! So that's like the beginnings of her, of him trying to tell her... He's that was like, great. He's a shapeshifter. So now right? seal I'm happens. a motherfucking seal, girl. Seal happens. Seal so, happening now? Seal now. So I'm holding the book up for people who are watching the video. I'm at the very end of the book. This is when he reveals it. So as I mentioned to you, we don't know about this adaptation until the end. It only becomes more relevant in the, in the second two books. Um, so <laughs> I am loving you right now, India. So. No. Wait, what? You, what's happening over Nothing. there? Nothing. Keep talking. Go ahead. So a bunch of stuff happens, which I don't want to spoil if you actually want to go read this series. I actually like now need to reread this series because I love it so much. Um, <laughs> oh my god, what? Go oh on, keep reading. <laughs> yes, yes, ready? <laughs> Let me run oh, my flipper down your spine. Let me push. I'll push my thumb against your forehead, girl. They don't have. They don't have thumbs. Oh, let me, let me, let me gum your eel with my seal lips. Bring your finger along my blubber, my brown blubber, my brown fat. Wait, are there seal sounds mixed in here? I'm trying. Oh my god, stop. Samer, stop being a party pooper. Oh shit. Okay, 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 okay. Hold on. I'm fucking dying over here. I'm crying. Oh my god, oh my god. Like that. (laughs) The kids in the van strike again. (laughs) Okay, okay. Hold on. I'm trying to get it together. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Much, much later, much later in the, um, <laughs> in the story, after some shit has gone down, they, he has, he has to like make this escape from these forces that are coming in and they reconvene after like the day has been won and they're having a moment together because, you know, she's there and she's obviously like made sexy time with him. And, um, they're together and he's about to reveal himself and um he says um <clears throat> so i'm going to read <laughs> a little bit of a passage here he said smiling with a luminosity to his silver eyes that made her breathless he enfolded her in his arms pressing <laughs> oh my god is this smut no it's not it's <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting turned on i don't know about you guys oh my god okay. <laughs> oh my god i just keep hearing Careless whisper with the seal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, 
You've heard what P2B had to say. Now hear what I have to say to you, Yanaba Maddock. He tipped her head back to look at him. What's her name? You are courage, Yanaba. Yana Banana? <laughs> no, Yanaba Maddock. Yana Banana. You are courage. You are beauty. You are honor. You are strong and kind. You are also loved by more than I. He bent to kiss first one eye, then the other, then her forehead. P2B healed you because it had need of you. I have my own need of you and the child you carry for both of us. <gasps> he touched her breasts then gently, but as if in benediction. Child? She struggled free, appalled and aching with hurt and disappointment. If he wanted a mother for his children, he would have to find someone else and she couldn't bear that thought. Sean, I'm past all of that. I may have escaped your notice, but... A person doesn't become a senior company officer until middle age. My body is just not. Well, love, as long as we're talking about what bodies are and are not, I think you should be aware of a thing or two about mine. <laughs> so much, so much has happened. I didn't want to spring it on you all at once. But back in the cavern, when we were all joined with P2B during their Kumbaya moment. I knew. Knew what, Sean? Sean! But he dove into the water as it sluiced over his skin. Instead of gray, brown, ashy color subsiding, it was deepened, blurring his skin so that she felt she was looking at him through mist. Sean rolled himself into a ball, dove under the water, and when he surfaced again, his silver-brown hair covered not just his scalp, but his face and his form changed. Before she could say anything, the seal who was Sean climbed back out. Playfully. Wow. The seal who was Sean. Hold on. The seal who was Sean. Playfully flipped her with the water on his sleek hide and unfolded once more into her lover. She took one involuntary step backward and stepped toward him. What exactly happened there? (laughs) My grandfather did, as Torkel suggested, go a little far. This is the geneticist. Actually, a lot far. There are some special notes in his personal diaries, which I have hidden in a safe place. He was fascinated by old Native American and Celtic tales of men who could change their shapes to protect themselves and suit their environment. Of course, they were magical tales, but he always maintained they were just for an extreme form of adaptation. Of course, he wasn't supposed to experiment on people at all. He didn't realize at the time that the planet was already producing substantial adaptive alterations in us, but he did do a bit of manipulation himself that carried down in my chromosomes so that I at least adapt er, quite a lot more drastically than others on the planet. I adapt, or actually in most ways transform at times, into the marine animal most suited for this climate. I what they call in the old Celtic folklore a selkie. Man on land, a seal in the sea, or in my cause, or in my case, in the water. And your sister, Yana, asked, does she transform too? I wondered why she bit my head off when I mentioned seal hunting. He shook his head. Not that I know of, and I think she would have told me she's the only one who actually seen me change, except for you. So they keep having this moment. I can't have your child. You can. You. I can't have my child. What about being pregnant? Blah, blah, blah. At the end, she says, or it continues... She put her arms on his shoulder, looked into his face with a quizzical little smile, gave a small shrug of nonchalance. A seal? A man? Whatever, she said. Nobody's perfect. (laughs) I mean... I... I feel like for okay, me, okay, 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 peanut gallery. Okay, that's enough. That would be the biggest boner killer alive. <laughs> is if the man that I just slept with was like, "Hold on, let me show you something." 
and then he dives into the water and comes out and he's like, oh, and like splashes me with his tail. I would just nope the fuck out. I'd be like, this is a deal breaker. Can oh you God. talk as a human in seal farm? I don't think so, no. Okay. Man who just, Steimer, I agree with you. Man who just slept with long-term relationship. If I go home tonight and Nate's like, by the way, and gets in the shower, I'm gonna be like, no, bye. Like, not here. Gets in the shower and flops around. I am not, I am not marine animal, animal, uh, sexual. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for reading that. I feel like it's finally come full circle from the husband of talk to now we've actually like uncovered the secret of the seal man. And now we'll period- periodically play. That is very romantic Carol writing. Whisper with a seal. <laughs> Listen, there's a there's a lot more. Obviously, that's at the very end of the book. There's a lot more buildup about sure. what their relationship and what he means to her and his relationship with the planet. And it's like it's it's we've had a funny moment here, but this is, this is a really good series. Okay? No, and I wasn't trying to be like whatever. Like I, the, the writing is very it. romantic. I can see. Like I think I have a little crush on him now. Just hearing like the, I do the, not. Uh, like the little <laughs> nibbling, the, the, like, the oh. air of confidence about him. Well, and like what? Wait, I don't get to, and I don't want to like too deep dive into the narrative of this book. Chance. But he, she's like really broken, having suffered this really traumatic like experience. She has PTSD. Like she had a husband who was killed. And like she's like essentially broken. The company's like, well, you're really no use to us. So she's lost her family. She's lost her job. She's get sent to this Arctic planet where like nobody wants to be. And she's sent to like infiltrate these locals to figure out what's happening. And she's really like in a really down spot. And like these locals like take her in and make her part of the family and then introduce her to different members of the community. And one is this this doctor sean who whose grandfather helped terraform the planet who was this scientist who was like i'm going to like do these genetic experiments on myself which then of course you know translated down the line to him the seal man and like like the way that they build the story up like she has this redemption moment where she gets to help them and save them and she feels like she's part of something again that she's loved again and she's not this like broken alone person who's been sent out to die essentially and like that's what is like the core of the narrative of this book there you go okay so anyway now you guys have heard it there are more passages that I could potentially read in future episodes of What's Good Games because there's still two more books, you guys. Yes. Um, but um, not right now. Right now, we are going to... Because the show has already been so long. We did it again. Um, this um, We're going to talk a little bit about what we saw at PSX, the PlayStation Experience 2017. So the four of us went. Huge, huge, huge thank you to everybody who came to our meetup at the Marriott. It was our first one. We're sorry. It started a little rough. I've never done this before. We weren't expecting that many people to show up. We were not expecting that many people. I was expecting like less than 10. Yeah. And we thought the bar would be empty. It was not. And it was busy. And we still had a great time. Thank you to Zyger for the lemon drops. Thank you Uh, to um, Trevor for being the best at trivia. Um, Thank you to everybody who bought our merch. We sold out of our um, embroidered hats, uh, which was really awesome. And for everyone who took photos and shared their experiences and who wore their What's Good Games t-shirts, it was just really awesome to meet a lot of you and 
Y'all have conversations great. and we really appreciate the support and, and love that you're part of our community. So that was really great. Um, what wasn't so great about PSX was that weird presentation that happened on Friday night. Oh my God. So painful. I, Mark Cerny looked like he wanted to backflip off of the earth while he was interviewing Kojima. Yeah, it was. It was uncomfortable. Odd. So we were sitting together and it was one of those things and, and Steimer wasn't there because she um had some other obligations that I night. I was off but, like, drinking at my holiday party. You were having a great. grand old time. I like how Andrew's like, she had obligations. Steimer was I, like, I was getting drunk at the holiday party. I was, <laughs> I was trying to cover for you and you were like, nope, I was partying. Um, hey, so, man, I don't care. Here's the thing. Um, that presentation was two hours too long. Um by the time, you know, Greg came on to interview Sean Layden and Shuhei, it had been going for 90 plus minutes. And the thing that was really frustrating, it was that they really didn't announce anything. And the one gameplay demo they really went into <gasps> for Concrete Genie, they didn't do until like the two hour plus mark. Right. Also, How like, long was this thing? Like two and a half hours. It was hours. two and a half hours. Wait, 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 it, was, it was 8 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. That was too long. The God of War demo was new and they talked over it. They freaking talked over it. I was so mad. They're like, we built this, we built this banter system for Atreus and they're talking over the demo. And I was like, shut the fuck. I don't want to hear you talk. I want to see the trailer. I'm trying to think of the things they actually did announce. Medieval's coming back, which was kind of came out of nowhere. It's, it's uh, who asked for this game? Yeah. I don't care. A VR of, um, The Last Guardian, which, which came out. Which is out now. You can play for free. I played it at the show. It's weird. Yeah. Um, you can get it for free now. Still did uh, not get that God of War release date. They, they did, we didn't get the God of War release date. And then every developer on stage continued to rib Corey, Corey, I forgot, oh my God, his last name. It's not Balrog. I want to call him Corey Balrog. <laughs> it would be amazing if it was Balrog. Be Corey so cool. Balrog. Corey, it's a, the, the creative director for God of War. I'm terrible. I call, I call him Corey Balrog. Oh. Um, yeah, so, and, like, they, they made him. They made ongoing jokes about the furniture because there were three couches and, like, like six different chairs on stage and we're like why are all these people still on stage they like, replayed the death stranding trailer they replayed the same trailer when they also redid what? the demo for detroit detroit um i mean granted Corey you Barlog know was close yeah cory barlog sorry so, cory so there You're are right. so obviously you know the the audience played along with the with the detroit trailer which you know a lot of people were like oh my god a whole room full of people yelling execute him is maybe not the way you want to go um it was it was different in a way that i think was unsuccessful yeah um in the sense that we watched this anticipating at least some kind of meaningful announcement, knowing that in PSX's past, there has been meaningful reveals, announcements, trailers, dates. And it's clear that they kind of like blew all of their information at Paris Games Week and they really saved nothing for PSX, which is a head scratcher because we talked about it previously on the show, like the energy in the room at PSX is oh, electric. Yeah. It's, it's so, heartwarming to know that all of these fans of what you do are in the same place at the same time like why are you why are you putting these announcements out in at paris i don't get it well not only did they not have no announcements not only was the keynote kind of a bust but like the show floor where was spider-man days gone god of war like all games that are supposedly coming out in q1 of next year where was um God, where what like like Detroit was playable, which was cool, 
but there was none. Like but it's the same demo. It's, 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 it's the new. same demo. The the only third party games were like Battlefront and Far Cry, like and Destiny two and Destiny two, and like a lot of a lot of companies, a lot of third party have games coming out for PlayStation next year. Square Enix has Lost Sphere and Dissidia, which I think is PS four maybe only. I don't know. Like where are where are all of those games? It's true. What the heck? Um, Britt has very aptly reminded me that for FTC disclaimer purposes, oh yeah, we should have mentioned it at the beginning of this segment before mentioning it now. Uh, we are required to tell you that PlayStation provided us with press and media badges, yes, uh, for free in order for us to be able to come to the show and see these games and to see the behind closed door presentation that we saw of Dreams and to get hands on access with several titles. For the record, PlayStation did not pay for us to go to. Anaheim. They did not pay for hotel rooms. They did not pay for meals. They did not pay anything. They literally just gave us a badge. And so I want to make sure that people know that uh, we are required to disclose it. So consider this your disclosure and use that information to balance what you hear from our, what we talk about as you will. All right. Continue. Okay. We are talking about how they didn't have anything playable on the show floor. And I agree. The thing was like, should, did they have a lot of cool photo ops? Yeah, yeah sure. they did. I just don't understand why. I don't understand why they wouldn't take the Spider-Man demo that we saw at E3. It's there. That was playable for some people at E3. And that clearly has to be playable at this point and just make it playable on the show floor. Like, why not? Why, what's what's holding you back from that? You've already spent all the money in this crazy photo activation on the on the floor. In days gone, another photo, another photo spot. That God of War demo, make it playable on the show floor. You know, like to me, if I was a fan, and Brett and I actually bought badges for the show before we were before we were gifted our media badges yeah. from PlayStation. We bought badges anticipating going no matter what. But, like, as somebody who paid, like, is the ticket price worth it to walk around and play some indie games and then take a cool photo? I don't, I don't know, man. I or don't want to stand say, in line for, like, three hours yeah. waiting for some exclusive merch. Yeah. I don't want to knock indie games. I think a lot of the indie games are really great. But if PlayStation is having a PlayStation-focused show and all these people are flying in and buying badges and planning weekends and taking time off and traveling and spending all this money to come out there to support you, you better freaking put some of your first party games out there. Yeah, I would be really curious yeah. to know if you went to PlayStation Experience and you paid for your badge, what did you think of it? I mean... Granted, we've been to dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of conventions over the years. Sorry, Alex, I just hit you. Um, so we have expectations. We know like what makes a great show and what doesn't. But maybe you know, maybe we're biased or not biased. What's the word I'm thinking of? Spoiled. Spoiled, perhaps. Uh, let us know if you thought this was worth your money. I'd be very interested to find out. I I did think the panel content was interesting. Um, I don't think that they really revealed a lot of stuff in the panels, but for people who don't get the opportunity to see some of these voice actors, some of these yeah. developers, I did think that that was a good, a good chance for them to do that. Um, we went to the Naughty Dog panel for The Last of Us Part Two, uh, which was moderated by Hannah Hart, who revealed on stage that she had never played a video game before The Last of Us, and I kind of lost my shit a little bit. My yeah, game, um, of, my game of show is watching you lose your shit during this panel. 
because you were like one too many lemon drops before we went in there tiger but um yeah i did i got mad it annoyed it annoyed probably didn't didn't make me as 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 angered as it made you but it kind of bugged me a little bit that like they clearly and like hannah did a good job but they hired someone who like when troy baker came out on stage and she was like oh when i met you i was expecting you to be all all gruff and blah 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 and i'm like so if you've only played the last of us you've no idea that troy has this incredible voice acting background so many characters and that's not who he is either he's mr like mr party man in every like single interview he's so boisterous and like loud and cheery like so gregarious like he's great yeah he's wonderful she didn't i feel like she didn't know she literally acted like in the questions that she was asking sounded like Oh, like when she's like, this was the first video video game I played. It sounded like she's, it's one of maybe like a handful of games that she's played. I will never ask her and I will never say, well, do you actually pay, play video games? But the fact that she said that made me think that her depth of knowledge, that she, she maybe just didn't do her research before coming on to do this panel. And I yeah. feel like, I don't know. I was, meh, meh, meh. And, I'm, and we're not trying to like rag on Hannah Hart because clearly she has a great show and like her drunk kitchen content is really fun to watch. And I've seen her iHeart food on, on, on the food network, but like it was, it was tough because I think we were hoping to get something more from, from that panel. Yeah. I did really love the performance that Ashley and Troy, the musical performance that they did at the very beginning of the panel, which I thought was really, really touching. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to meet some of these new voice actors, um, the brother and sister combo that are in that scene mm-hmm. that we saw mm-hmm. from Paris Games Week. That was really cool to kind of hear their work in, in video games, the mocap photos that they showed. But we didn't really learn much from. But that's from why the panel. I actually think I like I kind of disagree with both of you and Alexa. Like I don't think it was a bad choice that Hannah didn't know much about video games. Um, and in fact, I thought it was a little bit endearing because here's a person and I, like and I because I don't want us to feel like we're part of some exclusive club and like you're not allowed in here and. Um, especially like the fact that Last of Us is her first game, I think it's kind of fucking cool. Like, who picks that game out of a random lineup and is like, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. Do you think that the whole point of the panel was not to deep dive, but perhaps have that light, casual conversation, Simer? And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I was trying to get to is like, this, they knew going into this that they would not be able to reveal that much information, right? They just, they can't do it yet. So to pick somebody who instead has a very bright personality and can have a bit of levity with, especially some uh, franchise that is so dark, um, I think that's kind of more the tone that they were going for. Like Hannah Hart's never going to come in there and like be a hard hitter and be like, all right, like tell us all the information. Like she'd make jokes about it. Like is Joel dead? You know, like those kinds of things. But um but I think that that's why I think she worked and why I didn't mind whatsoever that she was. In fact, I kind of like I saw her at the bar afterwards. I didn't go up to her. The lemon drops hadn't quite kicked in as much <laughs> as I should have. But I kind of wanted to be like, hey, like if you ever want advice and like what to play or whatever, like I am happy to to bring you into the fold. Like I I don't mind. I think it's great that you're playing games now. And in fact, here's all these other really wonderful things. Some of them starring Troy Baker. <laughs> Just play Shadow of War over and over again. And Bioshock <laughs> and other, all the things. Like all the Telltale games. games. Final Fantasy 13. 13. Yeah. 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 Um, so 
I appreciate you saying, I appreciate you saying that, Steimer. We're just gonna fundamentally agree to disagree. Um, cause I think of PlayStation Experience as a fan show for like people who love PlayStation and who have been fans and who like games. But that being said, that evening, I, I said, hey, we all start somewhere. We all have a first game and a first console that leads us to love games. And maybe this was her first. Um, I just, I think, I was so let down from Friday night and not getting anything new, really, and not getting anything substantial, and then going into the panels on Saturday and mm-hmm. still not feeling like we're just getting these ti- the tiniest of drip feed of knowledge from what's happening. That I just like, I think I was just disgruntled going into it. <laughs> we're just like wow. taking your frustration out on Hannah. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And like, it was just tough because like I wanted. I think I wanted somebody up there to ask at least a couple hard-hitting questions. And I know that, like, PlayStation obviously curated that panel and they curated the questions and they told her what she could and could not say. Like, I know that that's what happened. But it was tough. It was tough for people watching. I'm sure it was tough for people who made the trek out to Anaheim to go down to the convention Mm -hmm. center and book hotel rooms and all of that to, like, go out there and be like, well, this was cool. I'm glad I got to see all these voice actors in person, like, you know, like a Comic-Con panel. But at least at the Comic-Con Hall H panels, they reveal the shit, you know what I mean? Like, they, like, check out this brand new trailer, check out these scoop and behind-the-scenes interviews, and we're going to make this hyper-exclusive. You drove all the way here to San Diego. We're going to show you the shit because you're here in the room. You're the hyper-fan. Yeah. And that, to me, is what PlayStation Experience was supposed to feel like. Yeah. And it didn't and that's why i came away with like the salt for once well it's a stark contrast <laughs> i know it was so funny when she was freaking out next to us i was like i think you adopted my salty hat here you go no, no, that was fantastic i mean it was a very entertaining rant um it's such a stark contrast i think to what we have expected from playstation like i remember last year was it last year or two years ago where they revealed nino cooney like, I remember that conference room being, like, so hyped. When they the revealed the Final Fantasy VII remake oh. at PSX, you know? Wait, like, was that at E3? No. Yes, it was P- no, no, it was E3. It was E3. No, the other one. Oh, no, yeah. The first footage was oh. during PSX. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. year it was in San Francisco, I, w- I was sitting at a conference table with the rest of the GameSpot crew, and when that came out, I pushed my chair back, I stood up, and I froze. Like, yes. that kind of excitement. That's it. The, the, the keynote didn't have it. The games on the show floor didn't have it. The games that were available behind closed doors, I played Donut County and Guacamole 2 and like the last, and loved those. Played Last Garden VR, it was weird, but there was no, and I didn't get to play Dreams. We'll talk about that off camera. Um, but I, uh, it, it, uh, there was nothing. We also, for the record, did not get to play it ourselves. We well, just watched no, it. No, we watched, watched it. Yeah, I was, uh, I was unable to, to secure a. Yeah, it's just, yeah, weird. yeah mm-hmm. like, if you think about, like, the E3 press conferences, right, where it's all just, like, game, 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 there's no corporate talk, there's no, nothing, the, the energy is just electric, and it's amazing, and then you, this year was just so different, it makes you it wonder, like, dry. What's, it's really dry. What, what's in the future for this, for this, just uh, cancel convention? it. If this is gonna be it next year, like, don't make people spend their money. To come do this when you're not going to give them something just to travel do for. Games week. Yeah. Just do like the cool birch shit at E3 outside of E3. Because E3 is going to be public again. We all know that. Hooray. 
Well, I, I think that they're, that they can learn a lot from this. So like, I do want to talk about what we did see. So, um, in that press lounge that we were at were the games that Alexa mentioned. Um, but we, Steimer, Britt and I had the opportunity to play Firewall together, which is a PSVR game. I had the opportunity. I passed. I barf. No, like, I get it. So here's the thing. There were a couple of X factors in our demo. The first one being there was a really thick, plushy carpet that they had in the booth oh um, that was causing a lot of static electricity. And because of this carpet, they had to put these special mats down. So we're on a mat on top of plushy carpet in a VR headset where you have to stand up and hold the the gun, the gun peripheral. And so automatically you're going to be a little out of balance because <laughs> you're on this weird surface. Mm-hmm. So the three of us are playing. So it's four-player co-op, 4v4, which is rare to find in VR games. And so I was, like, into it. It kind of felt immediately like Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah. If anybody has played that, where everyone kind of has a role. Like, you pick your class. You have your special guns. Um, and then you, like, infiltrate a building. You have to find the other team. It felt a lot like Rainbow Six Siege in that sense. Um but I was having trouble because my controller wasn't working quite properly. We couldn't hear you. Um, you guys couldn't, we couldn't communicate. Um, and I, I, I just didn't get the full demo experience. So I want to hear from Steimer and Britt how you felt about the game. Would you like to start, Steimer? Sure. Um, so we played two rounds. Uh, the first round, essentially, I think for all of us was like, what? How do I how do, do I shoot this? the thing? How do I lock? How do I shoot? How do I walk? How do I move my camera? Um, at, which is moving your head. But so for like me, by the end of demo one, I was like completely turned around. <laughs> the guy had to be like, <laughs> he had to rotate me back. He was like, hold on, you are completely backwards. <laughs> and I was like, cool, because I wasn't using like there's the like the a, snap turn, a, right? Yeah, like a like a, a quicker yeah. snap um, turnaround kind of a thing that I didn't quite grasp. And I I think. The movement felt a little weird to me. Like I'm used to playing non-VR games, and so I'm like, "Why can I can I run? I feel like I should be running when I'm pushing this thing down." I'm like, "Oh, I am technically running, but this is as fast as you can go without wanting to barf in VR. Like that's just as fast as they can move the camera without making you sick." Um, and so I was like, Sorry. "Okay, well, so <laughs> that felt, it felt like yeah, like Rainbow Six, but slow." Yeah, which was Sweet, weird to me. Slow and Rainbow I, Six. Rain slow six. Slowbo six. Rain yeah. Slow mo, yeah. Slow-mo Rain slow mo six. Um, but then I kind, I mean, I kind of got my bearings a little bit more on round two and in fact scared the demo man. You did. With my rage. And <laughs> I. The demo man. Is <laughs> it like what? You're scary or something? Like, yeah, no, he, so, cause we were running in this one building and eventually I was, we we're just like, fuck it. And we like just run in and like, you know, like shooting everybody. Uh, and I was like, die, fucking die. And I'm just like yelling at this man as I'm killing him. And, uh, and then I, I think I yelled like, wait, shit, there's two of them. Like, Brittany, get over here and murder this other guy. Cause I had been downed and so she did and she came and she murdered that guy. And then I got okay. up and I was like, ha. And so then the, and then the guy was like, uh, <laughs> that was a little frightening. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> I was just like, what? It's a game about murder. What That's what it's supposed true? to be. Um, so by the end of my demo, I was facing the same way I started. So I think we played it a little different, Simer. Like I didn't, I only like use the VR to actually like look briefly to my left and the right. And then I would use snap turn to like look around. 
You're better at VR than I am. I'm not, well, I'm more experienced. I wouldn't say I'm better. Um, so the way I primarily play shooters, and Andrew, you saw a little bit of this today in our Far Cry, even though it's not technically a shooter. I run straight into the battlefield and I hope for the best. I, That's I, what I do. My class in all RPGs is tank. So I can't differentiate like um. tank and shooter. So I'm like, I'm invisible. Haha, I'm supposed to take all the bullets. But you're not. No. Yeah, exactly. So I, I tip, I would just run into the middle of the room and then I would like frantically like scan around. So Steimer would yell like obscenities. I would just squawk and like Wah! the whole time and I would get shot from multiple angles and then I would have to like run out and like run back into the room and then I would cower behind everyone else playing. I thought it was actually pretty freaking enjoyable. It was really fun, especially when Steimer's like, there's someone on the stairs. And I'm like, okay. And I would like turn and I actually took out two people, which I was really happy about. Um, the wooziness factor, you know, Andrea, I know you didn't feel very good when you played, right? I was just a little dizzy because I kept feeling like I wanted to put a knee down. You said that. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like, I was grounded in that way I could, like, move around and shoot. But the problem was, is, like, if I did that, then my character was in a permanent crouch position. Because you can crouch with a button and you can crouch by physically crouching your body. Mm-hmm. And because I, if I put my knee down, I would always be crouched. I was like, well, this isn't going to work. Were you the one always walking and crouching? No, that okay. was the um that was the dev that oh, was okay. playing with us uh because my crouch button didn't work. All right. <gasps> um and apparently I was the only one that was having this problem and um so Adam Orth was working on this game and he was helping me with the demo and he was like, "Well, you know, someone just was here and the buttons were working." And I was like, "Oh, don't make me feel bad." And so I was like, "Here, hold the controller. I'm not crazy." And he was like, "No, you're not crazy. It's actually <laughs> the, it got desynced. We got to fix it." I mean, but this which, listen, I'm not holding that against the game. We play video games in demo form all the time. They're mm-hmm. not finished. They're broken. Sometimes they have problems and glitches with the code. That happens when you're demoing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm not holding that against the game. What I'm holding against the game is the fact that they touted that it's such a smooth frame rate that you won't feel any nausea or dizziness. And I did. And that the gameplay itself just smacked so much of Rainbow Six that I was like, why wouldn't I just play Rainbow Six? And I guess the idea is maybe you want to have that experience of squad-based PvP in VR, Mm -hmm. but I don't. I just don't want to play that kind of experience in VR. Um, Fair. I was That's actually something I think... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I I think I said this to you as we left the demo, and you were like, what'd you think? And I was like, that was fun. I'll never play it again. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, that's exactly what she said. Like, yeah. we'll never play no, again. No, she did say that. I mean, for me, I would like to play it casually. Like, I don't like the 4v4. I don't want to play against real people. I would like to play against the computer. But, I mean, I like VR. I like being immersed in that world. And I thought it was cool that I could, like, look around. And it. Yeah. I enjoy that. So I wouldn't mind playing something like that if it was a little more casual. And I can just play maybe, like, 2v AI or 3v AI. Um I didn't feel woozy until after I took off the headset, which is typically how VR works for me. Yeah. But I did feel definitely a little off after. It's because it's your body trying to, like, rebalance yeah. everything. So I got to play a little bit of Wipeout in VR. You're crazy. You're crazy. Which, when I saw that come up on the presentation uh, on Friday night, that when they announced Wipeout was coming to VR, I was like, that sounds like a horrific idea. So you did it. Um, so I tried it, of course. Um <laughs> And I made like, a mis- this smells horrible. Yeah, Smell yeah, it. Exactly. It's like, ooh, did you taste this? It's gross. Taste it. Yeah, of course you did it. Um, so <laughs> my problem was that I picked too difficult of a track at too fast of a speed for my first 
go around and I just, I just crashed constantly. Oh God. Um, and also like being in cockpit view of a racing game that's moving that fast in VR was. Oh my God. I feel my, I feel my, my mouth, just the faucets turning on thinking salivating? about it. Okay. No, like we won't talk about this very long, like but I will salivating. say, um, it, the, the, when I got to a track that was slow, I turned the speed to the lowest setting. I picked a nice and easy track. When you were in cockpit view and you had the music pumping in the headphones and you're on the track, it was pretty cool. That being said, the idea of doing those super fast races that are super difficult, like maybe I just need to ramp up to that slowly, but it was, it was, tough it was more manageable because i was seated and i so i was sitting down so i felt like i was grounded and my back was against the chair i wasn't standing and so i like i felt like i had some weight in the chair so i didn't feel like i was like i had lost myself but this is a common vr problem right? right this like dizziness this nausea um and frame rate is tough and this is why I'm so surprised that VR continues to grow. PlayStation announced 2 million PSVR units, which is great. I just, and it looked beautiful and the sound was great. And it's awesome that it's a free update for people who own Wipeout. But like <sighs> VR, it's tough, especially when you demo it. Because in my experience, you can actually build up your VR tolerance. Because yeah. when I first started, I could only like stand still and like look around. Yeah. And then gradually, you know, I started playing other games where you can walk and you can move. I tried the non-snap movements turns and that gets me sick instantly but i can do the snap movements um so w- there was a period where i was playing vr like at least three or four days a week for probably like half of the year and by the end of it i could go like two or three hours playing games where you look around you move you crouch you peer around corners and i was totally fine a shot of alcohol beforehand does help um but i haven't played <laughs> vr in probably a year or so and jumping right into vr or if you only play it like casually at conventions i feel like yeah you're gonna have a, a less than stellar impression of it because you're not going to have that tolerance built up. And that's a problem. Like there shouldn't have to be that ramp up, but the technology just is not there yet. Yeah. Well, I think that there's also games like Kronos who are doing it right where they have a fixed camera. Yeah. That game's great. So we're going to try a couple more and I don't want people to think that we're like incredibly anti VR. We just like, I just want to tell you how my experience was. Um, but (laughs) we, I am, we, I do want to wrap the show, but before we do, we have to talk about dreams. So, um, this game Oof. was something that we've talked about on the show and that a lot of us were like, what, what is, is this game? <laughs> like a lot of you out there are probably like, what is this game? And hopefully you got the opportunity to watch some of the PSX demo, some of the presentations that they did throughout the weekend from their live stage. Um, I think that this game from Media Molecule, which is the team behind Little Big Planet, looks incredible. It's beautiful. It's whimsical. It's magical. It's inspiring. It, the fantasy element of it is all wonderful. And it's going to inspire a small creator or community of creators to make some cool stuff. But I think it's almost too ethereal for most gamers to grasp. What? It's Little Big Planet on crack. But yeah. does it have that Little Big Planet jank? Don't know. It does, we didn't it did get know. to play. It didn't look we like it. Now, the, the person who was playing it, um, I can't remember his name. It's slipping my mind. 
he was obviously very familiar with the controls. So he was able to whip up a level. Like we were able to record sound, insert like Andrea's voice in the You game. can use any yeah. microphone that you can connect to the PlayStation 4 to record sound that you can drop in as an original track in the game. And he made it the look Alexa. Cool. I thought of you immediately because I was like, this girl loves puppet shows. This is like the perfect platform to make a weird puppet show for you. The thing that got that got me interested in this was that first demo when they made the two puppets and had them dance. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the guy giving us the demo obviously was very familiar, but he made it look very seamless. My description to those of you who are still like WTF mate, um, I didn't play a lot of Little Big Planet, but think of like a RPG maker, but all around video game maker that's very easy to grasp. See, here's here's the thing, like they said that about the little big planet stuff. It's like you can do whatever, like make a level, do whatever. I could not get into. I can't get into level creators. I just want to play the damn game. Okay, you can I do am that. not. Oh, I am not a level designer. So, Perhaps to the people who are. So, so I'm glad you brought that up. So I have some notes here. But can um, I? Like my thing is like if I want to experience something and I am not. I am not this like super high, super artistic. Like, I, yeah, I like to create stuff, mm-hmm. but like not with visuals. I'm a writer, but like if I am not a super like artistic, visually artistic person, am I just going to not get any enjoyment out of this game because I can't keep up? No, you are going to get enjoyment because there's two different ways that you can play when you're not a creator. The first way is through Art's Dream, which is the campaign. So these are three separate stories woven into a single story in the campaign that are pre-designed dreams that are like, it's like the the big the big thing that you're going to play. Okay. So and there's from Media Molecule and I thought the interesting part was right. that they built these levels with the same tools the community will have. Right. Exactly. So one is a children's story that turns into a bit of a horror experience. One is a film noir inspired point and click adventure and then one is a a sci-fi adventure. And so these three separate stories weave together to form the campaign of dreams. And then what they also do is they have this thing called dream surfing where you can browse content made by the community and also dreams made by the staff at media molecule so they have an ability called auto surfing where you can just jump into auto surf and you can just get into a playlist essentially of dreams where you'll play one dream after another think of dreams as levels yeah, that's been curated for you. Like, for example, mm. we saw one dream that was called Please Hug Me. <laughs> it was so sad. It was. And so you play this character, this little red guy who runs around looking for a hug and everybody in the level runs away from him. Like, everybody, like, no, no, you're, so you are on <laughs> Alexa's a, face. a, t- like, a, a circle and it's hovering like over an island yeah. over space. So not only are people running away from you, they're committing suicide so they can, rather yeah. than hug you. And then at the very end of it all, like you look around and then like you just jump off of the edge of the no, earth. So the camera is like, holy no, crap. That's essentially the what? camera, the camera like <laughs> it's, zooms it's, out. After, it's so bizarre. But it's a, it's an interesting, like that's just a, an idea of a dream. And so in the dream, the playlist thing, what happened essentially is after every, all of these cones, those are things you're trying to hug. Have killed themselves and jumped off the circle. It zooms out, shows you are alone forever on this oval circle floating in nothingness. You jump off and kill yourself. It would go to the next dream. 
the next level. I don't want to play a bunch of other people's shitty dreams. I want to play a game. So here's the thing is that they're going to have, they're going to have curated lists made by people at Media Molecule. So you're not playing people's shitty, shitty dreams. dreams. Right. And so like we asked that question, right? Like, how do you make sure the content that's good is going to be playable and it's not just a bunch of UGC crap? Right. Um, and they were like, well, we're going to have people on staff curating these playlists and making sure that the good dreams are coming up to the top and that's what you're playing. Even and like dreams, there's a very social aspect to yeah, it. Yeah. There's as like well. a whole ranking system and you as a creator, like let's say I'm a creator and I'm really fucking good at making dreams like i know how to use music and animation and i make great characters and you find one of my dreams and you're like that dream was super cool you could follow my dream playlist and play only dreams that i make it's listen it's wild right like i tweeted about how wild it is because they showed us the creation tools and they're really comprehensive in a way that i wasn't expecting to the point where like you can like compose your own music inside the game it gets real deep you can create your own characters you can record they they told us that we could put an episode of our podcast in dreams and animate our podcast in dreams can we make can we make wait okay when this game comes out can we make a special special dreams only podcast we could yeah yeah holy and so Jeez. for those it's, of you it's 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 wild it's it really crazy. is so for those of you and we talked about the campaign a little bit you don't have to create stuff you can just play these levels and there is a campaign where you can get started and you can modify and pause this campaign at any time so if you're like what you know you're you're going through and it starts like, oh, really happy and you're like i want it to be like nighttime or i want my character to have this or, i want them you can pause it and modify whatever you want. So there was an example. There was like a dog laying on the ground and it was part of like this campaign. And they were like, hey, let's make this dog fluffy. Now in a perfect world, it would have worked. But I think there were some technical limitations because the game is still very early. But you can stop. It's and- not very early. It comes out next year. Sorry, right? not very early. But it was early. the technical thing. It was, thing. Not, it was final like he wasn't not final sure. code. There we go. He couldn't remember how to do it. Was right, the thing. right. They couldn't remember how to do it. But that's part of it. It's like if you see like a main character and you're like, I like that main character, but I want them to have like red hair, you can modify their hair. And that's probably an easy beginner way to like kind of get in and test the waters and like modify it. But it's It's a lot. (laughs) It's really comprehensive. The amount of customization from making items in the world and creating the world itself and making like platforms or or floors and ceilings and sky boxes and using animation and making signs and then animating the signs and then adding music and creating characters. Like it's, it's a game maker. Oh, and, it's co-op too. And there is only local co-op available at launch, yeah. but they said that they are working to implement online co-op in a future update. Christ. Um, and so it's really, the promise of it is really cool. But how do you market something like this is yeah. the problem? You don't really. Cause like <laughs> it's, it's so tough because it's even more difficult to market than Little Big Planet. Cause at least you had Sackboy as like the icon for Little Big Planet, like this cute little guy. And it was a platformer at its core, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I had gameplay that was familiar to a lot of gamers, but Dreams is such an agglomation, allegam- what's that word? Alexa? Amalgamation. Amalgamation. Um, of, of ideas coming together that you almost need to watch extensive demos to really understand what this is. And that's going to be a problem for them. I think when it comes to getting this into the hands of millions of people, they did mention something that was interesting was, um, they're going to make it so that I think the example is, was it Tim Schafer? 
Like someone, like yes. a, 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 like a game developer can come in. They They're going to reach out to people in the industry. Come in, like make your game. And then I think they said something about selling it individually, didn't they? Right. So I'd asked them, I said, so this sounds like it's ripe for, for, it seems very similar to mods, right? Like the idea that c- there's a lot of creative people who are making mods of games that they love. And, you know, it seems to me like maybe we should give them an opportunity to sell these mods. And I was like, is that going to be a thing where I could make a dream and then sell it to people and be like, Hey, I made this dream, but I want you to like pay to play it. Is that like something that you guys have considered? Or maybe there's a composer like our good friend, Dale North, who composed our theme. Who's like, I'm going to make music exclusively for dreams. But in order to use my track in your dream, you have to pay like a small fee to buy mm-hmm. the track, right? I said, are you guys going to be adding something like that down the road? And he's like, we're thinking about it. We're trying to figure out how to do that. They're trying to figure out how to manage IP rights to make sure that if you are an intellectual property holder, if you own a piece of art or a piece of music that somebody has imported into Dreams, that they're not using it illegally or without your permission. They said they're working on IP management but they said that they eventually want to be able to go to creators and say, hey, Tim Schafer, you're a creator in video games. Make a dream, and then you can buy Tim Schafer's dream as a standalone product aside from Dreams, the base game, meaning you could essentially buy Tim Schafer's dream for like ten ninety nine or whatever and play that as a standalone game and not have to own Dreams. That's great marketing for them as well. So that might be a big right. Part like of it's enough plan. to make your head spin. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's, it's it, it could get real hairy. So I hope they figure all their kinks out. Oh. Because, and like, yeah, I feel bad for their legal team. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, I know, and they clearly oh. are building off the backs of what they've done with Little Big Planet and their creative community and all of the legal um, issues and hurdles they faced using creative licenses within that that ecosphere they're bringing that knowledge into dreams of course but i think the promise of this game is almost infinite like it's so magical to think of what people could do with these tools and the fact that they built these tools i almost think like how do you put a price tag on these tools how do you put a price tag on what people create but I don't know. It's not our problem to figure out. It's not. It's not. It's more of, this is a hypothetical question, right? right? Like, this is not to be answered by us or anybody else. It's like, it's an interesting idea that people are going to create really magical things and just share them with the community for the love of the creation of it. I think that is really cool and exciting. And I'm really interested to see what people make with with this product. Yeah. It's going to be... Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Alexa's head is spinning. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a lot. I have to think about it. It's Ooh. a lot to, it's a lot to process. And they make dreams on stage at PSX. They made like brand new levels and showed people how to use the tools and it's, it's going to be cool. Yeah. But I don't know if it's going to be a financial success for PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sad part it seems to me. Very, very like niche. I feel like, I feel like people that aren't as into the creation stuff will just get overwhelmed and walk away. Yeah. I do. But we'll hopefully bring you guys more about that as we learn more. As we mentioned, it's releasing next year. I mean, apologize this show has gone on for so long, but we just had so much to talk about. Um, and I got forced into a dramatic seal reading. It was great. Um, so we hope you guys enjoyed the show. We will be back next week as a reminder. 
patreon.com slash what's good games. There's still time to get in if you guys want to join our exclusive streams happening on Monday. Um, we will be putting up information about that on our Patreon page and we will be also recording our game of the year podcast. Oh shit. Since we will all be traveling. What? Don't we also have some interesting awards? Yeah, and I wanted oh, to say we're gonna work on it. Don't you worry. If you, if the community, you have any like weird off the wall ideas, like best horsey, for example. Well, no, we are doing horsey okay, of horsey, year, but yeah. like horsey but non, of the year, non-typical, of the year. yes, non-typical game of the year discussions. Like throw throw them our way on on twitter.com slash what's good underscore games or facebook.com slash what's good games or contact at what's good games dot com. Yeah, we'll entertain you. Yeah, yeah. let us know. Um, it'll, it'll be great. And, um, our Patreon exclusive December episodes are up available, All but one the exclusive video will be going up this week. The secret segment is already out. It's going to be good. Oh yeah. You guys oh, are going to love it. Um, Thank you again to everybody for hanging with us. Um, let us know what you thought about all of the games we've been talking about. Um, and we will be back next week with more video game talk. But for now, we're signing off. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. Bye.